welcome to Point of Origin, Episode 1, the podcast where we explore the real link between ancient aliens and the pyramids. <laughs> I don't regret that. <laughs> um, we are your hosts. Uh, I am Liss. This is Mel. We have not much to say about ourselves, really. We're just that horrifyingly dorky. Uh, we're doing the show for fun, because <laughs> we love Stargate. Yeah, I mean, this is how our friendship started. <laughs> oh, God, yeah, that's right. Okay, so my boyfriend drags me to this party full of people I had never met before and was so excited to go to. And I was excited, but then I got really drunk because that's, like, my solution to nerves, which, you know, that's that's healthy. <laughs> but then I, I'm, you know, getting more comfortable because alcohol does actually help. And that's when you and I started talking. Because it was originally your roommates that yep. Eric knew. Yeah, because I also don't do well with new people, especially <laughs> when I am told an hour before they're coming <laughs> that they're going to be here. Eric had to talk me into this like a week in advance. Because <laughs> I don't do well with strangers. But the good news is that you and I started talking. And we just, you know, similarities, you know, like likes and dislikes. Got talking about it, and <laughs> I said something about, I was like, Stargate, Star Trek, whatever, you should go Stargate. And then... <laughs> Then I run into my room, literally run, and come back out with my beautiful box set of Stargate SG-1. The one that's an actual box that has, like, a fake plastic Stargate with the Event Horizon on the cover. It's cool. It looks cool. And our psychotic energy synced in that moment. We're like, holy shit, you like this. And yeah, that was just the end of that. So today, the first episode is actually not an episode. It's the original movie. Uh... It's called Stargate, <laughs> and this kind of proves something, that we finally get around to doing this show. We finally get all of our equipment in place, and what happens? Netflix puts the movie <laughs> on, which is so annoying. <laughs> it's meant to be, but we already own it. Yeah, I, if it's if it's Stargate SG-1, I have all of them. <laughs> I just don't have the later ones, because I... I have this weird thing where I have to watch all of the one thing before I can go on to the next thing. And despite loving Stargate, I've somehow never finished it. So I've never gone on to any of the other you ones. Know, I mean, season but that's what off. this podcast is about. <laughs> exactly. I'm finally going. We're going to go through SG1, then SGA, then SGU. I'm so we excited. have our word. I can't, it's, guys, it's going to take so long to Whether get to Whether you want us to or not. <laughs> I just can't think how long it's going to take to get oh, to SGU. It's going to take forever. <laughs> All right, so we're watching the original movie. 1994. I was five years old. I was one year old. <laughs> I was one year old. I had originally been intending to read the synopsis for this movie off of IMDb, because it just seemed like the easy thing to do. You know, respectful but, uh, sounding. I brought out my ultimate edition <laughs> of the Stargate movie, and Liss over here turns it over I wanted to and see sees the, the synopsis on the back of the DVD cover and demands that I read this. <laughs> So, it's going to be a little bit longer, but here we go. Hopefully it'll be worth the time. When Professor Daniel Jackson, James Spader, innocently accepts the offer of a mysterious woman to decode an ancient Egyptian artifact known only as the Stargate, he unwittingly takes the first step on an epic adventure that will span galaxies and decide the fate of an entire planet. Yeah, so good. Surprise, not our planet. Yeah, that's so far so good, actually. Like, that's a respectful kind of intro. Colonel Jack O'Neill, <laughs> notably with one L, one L, guys, by Kurt Russell, a true soldier with nerves of steel <laughs> and a tragic past. 
is brought back to active duty. By the way, tragic past. It happened like two months before. I know it's like it's not a past. It's not it's really a past. past. Like he's still mourning. This is present. <laughs> this is current. This is ongoing. Right. Um, is brought back to active duty to commandeer the first commandeer. Co- really? He's it says a- commandeer. Does do they mean command? I I, I think they mean command. Yeah, that's a is that, that was that's a, that's a typo on my DVD cover. <laughs> All right, okay, that's really bizarre. It says "commandeer" <laughs> the first trip through the Stargate. All right, they must know what they're talking about. Is brought back to active duty to commandeer the first trip through the Stargate on a desert planet on the far side of the universe. Jackson and O'Neill must battle the powerful alien sun god Ra, Jay Davidson, at stake the freedom of an ancient civilization from slavery, and any chance of ever getting home. Exclamation mark. I just like how it's basically one of the many examples of a movie about a bunch of white guys going to a planet, you know, going anywhere and saving the people of color from slavery. Yeah. It's like, I mean, oh it's, good, white guy hero it's, story. It's, this this it's now a transcends 90s planets. Movie. <laughs> this transcends planets. It's not, it's not good enough that we do it on Earth enough. No, 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 no. Now let's go save the alien people of color from slavery, because we as the white people are just that superior. <laughs> Jesus. Alright, well, I apologize for that. <laughs> on behalf of current modern day people, no. <laughs> uh, less than auspicious. <laughs> but I'll take it. The show and the movie were still great. Alright, so is that it? Uh, yeah, I mean, I after that beautiful synopsis. <laughs> um, what got me was Nerves of Steel. I turned it over. I'm looking for like quality, like it was 720 or whatever. Because we have this excellent 4K TV we're going to be using. And it's not going to matter because these shows and everything's so old. But I turn it over to look for quality, and first thing I noticed is Roland Emmerich directed this. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. So that's the day after tomorrow, people. <laughs> that's the same director. It's going to be great. All I see is, O'Neill, nerves of steel. <laughs> and I read it in that tone, and I lost it. Wait, wait. There's a featurette on here that says, is there a Stargate? Is yeah. that a question? I guess they want, it's a whole thing of like, ooh, maybe Area 3051. 30, 31? <laughs> <laughs> area 31. 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, it's less than famous neighbor, Area 31. Area 51. Oh, it would have to be point. Area 52. <laughs> 52? Yeah, that's what it is in this. There you go. Well, not in this, this, but in, in this. Yeah, yeah. Thing. Actually, it can't be Area 51 because a character named Dr. Rodney McKay on Stargate Atlantis at one point gets reposted. To Area 51. So well, and there's, there, there's an there. Area 52 in Stargate 2. I know, but I was saying it could be 51, because I've seen him in there. They so show him inside it, there. It's, it's something Unless else. Rodney McKay is an actual person. Maybe that's oh, the real God, conspiracy. The, extra, the real conspiracy is Dr. Rodney McKay exists. He's a dick. Yeah, that's, so, I don't uh, wish that on anyone. Oh, man. Okay. So off point. That's not surprising. No, that's, this is why Stargate is good. It spawns <laughs> discussions. This movie spawns some good shit. With that said... <laughs> We're going to go ahead and shut this off and uh, go watch the movie and uh, come back with our our thoughts and our review. Oh, yeah. Okay, everybody. We're back. Impression. <laughs> well, I mean, I've seen this movie about like, three million times. Yeah, yeah, I, I can. You know what we never got to talk about? But how we got into Stargate. I just sold it. Okay. <laughs> I saw this weird movie in Iowa one day. Well, mine is a little bit more complicated. <laughs> so I have this thing that I like to do. 
where if I really like an actor, I go on IMDb and look up everything they've ever done. Otherwise known as cyberstalking. <laughs> yeah, sort of. It's a form of it. It's a more acceptable form. But basically, I was doing that for Michael J. Fox. Right. And came across the episodes that he was on of Boston Legal. Which I literally was just watching the Boston Legal episodes that Michael J. Fox was in. Never seen Boston Legal before. <laughs> didn't know who James Spader was. I like how it was worth it to you to watch a show you didn't know to see Michael J. Fox. You don't understand my love of Michael J. Fox. <laughs> Apparently. Like, I have love for him, but alright. Um, and then in watching those three episodes, I think, that he did on Boston Legal, I fell in love with James Spader. Yeah, and had to do the exact same thing for James Spader. Yeah. And I wound up seeing quite a few of his movies, Pretty in Pink, Secretary, but the big one was Stargate. Yeah. And I was so invested in Stargate that I did, like, the kind of, that vague kind of surfing you do on the internet. Right, well, back started, then especially. Yeah, and started seeing things that I'm like, I don't remember that in the movie. <laughs> and poked around, and poked around, and went, Wait, there was a TV show? And this was actually, um, I think it was still airing at the time. It was like season nine was on, on TV when I discovered this. So, like, I actually discovered it when the show was still running. I did not watch it on TV because I don't do the thing where I start watching at the end of the series. But. <laughs> For me, it was I watched the movie. It's actually, I missed the beginning of it. What I saw was uh, not too long after the movie starts where they've all landed on Abydos. But, like, they're setting up. Oh, yeah, the camp. Yeah, and right after his little moment where he's yeah. talking about, like, ooh, it's a nice tent. Wow. Oh, we all get tents. <laughs> and he's off on his own. And he's picking through his pockets. And I just, I fucking lost it at that scene where he's picking, like, a flashlight or something out. And he goes, I don't know what the hell that is. And he tosses <laughs> it aside. He goes, littering is fine. And then Butter's, like, a little angry boy. I have everything in here except some water. <laughs> on a desert planet, they didn't give him some water. <laughs> and it's just that made me die and I was really young This I was like 8 or 9 when I saw this so this one stupid sarcastic line just seared into my brain that would do it for you yeah, right for me it was just hearing James Spader talk right. and I fell in love with him and it was I asked my grandfather because I was actually at my grandparents house like what the hell was going on he kind of explained it and he's like yeah well this guy's in some show that I watch his name's you know something Spader and I ended up finding out from my mother when I had gone home I was like, hey, Mom, by the way, who's uh, Wonderful Spader? She's like, James Spader? I'm like, sure. <laughs> and she was apparently a huge Boston Legal fan. I fell in love with the show right after that. So I must have been... All I know is that Netflix wasn't really a thing yet. So I had to go no, to Blockbuster. No, it definitely wasn't. I had to go to like, Blockbuster or some shit like that. I had to go somewhere to find the first season of the show. And my mom's like, yeah, you can watch this. And then the full Bush scene. <laughs> Happened oh, yeah. in episode That's one. That's true. That did happen. Because this was on Showtime, and my mother really regretted letting me watch the show after that. But she didn't stop me, and I just became a huge fan. But it had been off the air for a couple of years when I finished it. So, so I was like watching Farscape and stuff. Oh, dang. Was... So I think we should actually uh, rewind all the way back to the beginning and uh, go over some of the you know basic stats. This was written by Dean Devlin and Roland Emmerich. <laughs> Emmerich. And directed by Roland Emmerich. Which explains the dialogue. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's not a bad director. He's just very on point. It explains the overly dramatically shot scenes. <laughs> the dramatic helmet is my favorite at the end. No, the the uh, 
um, shot completely in the dark with a little bit of firelight <laughs> oh, God, for his, Daniel when yeah. he's talking about really dramatic scene for talking about writing being outlawed. Oh, it's no. amazing. Just, writing's outlawed. Da, da, da. <laughs> he looks directly in the camera. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Emmerich's cinematography is interesting. <laughs> like, on one hand, it's pretty good. He does a lot of establishing shots. He doesn't do, like, 18 trillion match cuts, which for me is a huge thing. Yeah, because now there's just so life. many cuts in Ugh. movies. Not that this one's that much better. Like, it does it does a few unnecessary cuts, especially with the fight scenes. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. But, like, he does a good job with, like, suspense. Oh, yeah. Like, you don't see who the Jafar are for a while. Like, uh-huh. you yeah, that takes just, a while. The, just the butts of their staffs and everything. That was pretty cool. Um, oh, and that suspense scene. Oh, my God. That suspense scene where... You're being introduced to the Jafar in general, and you see like the claw, and like, the, the pan up. It's that tingly music yeah. you're playing before. Oh that. yeah, the, no, the music in this is amazing, which uh, brings us to the orchestral opening theme, which was so good that they just reused it for the TV show. I mean, can you blame it? Speaking of which, did you know um, the guy who wrote that? Never done anything before. Like, I've done, like, small clips. <laughs> they were kind of nervous about hiring him, apparently. But he's, like, the same guy. Uh, I think his name is Dave Arnold. He did the soundtrack for uh, Independence Day. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, so, and Godzilla, too, I think. Huh. Yeah. So, like, big epic score type stuff. I've only seen, like, the Godzillas that Mystery Science Theater has mocked. <laughs> Okay, so none of the good Although ones. the new one looks good. The uh, yeah. King of Monsters. It's okay. I've watched that one. Yeah, they're, they're okay. I don't know. But what else I really love, though, about that opening sequence, not just the um, soundtrack, <laughs> like that epic Stargate, it's what you're talking about, the um, real oh, yeah, effects, the, like the camera panning over yeah, the Stargate. The, um, well, it's not, not the Stargate, Stargate. No, the, no, uh, no, sarcophagus. Sar- no, it's not, it's not even, it's just the, the pharaoh head. Yeah, I just kind of figured it's it's like a carved I think it was, I, I, was, I always thought it was the uh, stone overlay that goes over the sarcophagus. You it know, like, like when it closes be. up, there's that whole thing. I always kind of figured it was a sarcophagus head. Hmm. Yeah, I might be completely wrong. I think the sarcophagus head is flatter. Maybe. I maybe it's a sarcophagus. <laughs> sure. I know it's just we'll go with that. I I don't care. <laughs> I loved how they did the real effects. And they you were talking about how much they kept to the detail. Oh yeah, yeah. The we'll see it later on when we actually start doing um the the TV show. There's definitely some parts that they had to like just retcon or pretend that didn't exist from the movie because there's no way to translate it into the TV show, especially a long-running TV show. Oh, yeah. But there are a lot of little details that they paid attention to and brought back in the TV show. The lighter, um... Oh, the fact that Alex Screws and um, Eric, what's his name? Eric Avari, who plays, like I said, his, oh, every yeah. time an Egyptian mm-hmm. role, Hollywood's like, hey, you, <laughs> come on over. But yeah, no, he and, um, so Yosef, isn't it Yosef? I always said Yosef. I don't claim to be any good at pronouncing other people's names correctly. It does not matter what the name is. I Maybe. don't. He's not, I, his name is not I can't said really now. say Skara correctly. Skara. See, yeah, the R thing. I can't do that. Well, I can do that because I studied Japanese, oh, and it's well, the same kind go. of thing where you're doing, you're bouncing off of the L-R kind of thing. Sure. <laughs> Let's go with that. I, 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 <laughs> At I least just that's know what I do. It's a skill, and I don't have it. So, Scala. Scala. <laughs> yeah, that. You do a kind of D in there, too. Whatever. I don't know. Scala. 
People know who you're talking about. Are the, um, they brought them back. They're the only two from the movie to yeah. the TV show, but that's still I don't think his ha- I don't think Scott of Hair is as good in the TV show. Maybe not, but it was a you know, Showtime budget. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't blame them. They had Especially to send their CGI season budget. Season one budget uh, was miserable. It's fine. They had to make sure the lighting was right for that full bush scene in the beginning. Of yeah, the first that, was, that was important. <laughs> like they had their priorities. But yeah, so they brought like those guys back, which I loved. Yeah. So it basically opens up in, uh, they specifically say North African Desert, because <laughs> that's not vague. It's before, well, they specifically say, uh, later on, Daniel specifically says it was before, like, ancient Egypt really existed. Right, and I created the civilization. Yeah. As um, incorrect as that So line it is. was, uh, and it says it was 8,000 BC, <laughs> and it's some, uh, you know, village? small village <laughs> that d- doesn't even have, like, walls. It's like a camp, campground. It's one of those, you know... Really old civilization villages <laughs> that they're just yes. starting to settle. They probably yes. move around a lot, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and a spaceship starts to descend from the sky. <laughs> suddenly, spaceship. <laughs> lightning <laughs> like, effects. It's like suddenly Seymour, except as a spaceship. <laughs> the lightning effects were actually much better than I would have yeah. thought. Mm-hmm. Like, CGI in this movie is hit or miss. Yeah. Some things are really good, good, some things are not great. It was properly scary. But yeah, uh, so everyone else runs away. (laughs) Except for one very curious boy. (laughs) The fearless boy. (laughs) Who comes to regret that, I'm sure. (laughs) I just, I don't like how they make it seem like being fearless is a good thing in that scene. It's like, you're advocating getting mind-possessed by an alien. Yes, he's so fearless and brave. That's wonderful. The other one's got to live, though. So, yeah. you know. Well, we don't know how long they have to live. Yeah, well, I'm pretty sure he was happy being a host for thousands of years. So basically, uh, we just see him walk towards the light. Oh, there's a smash cut. <laughs> that is one hell of a smash cut. To 1928, the Giza, Egypt, where there's a dig <laughs> and racism about. You know, the casual 1920s racism in Egypt, where Britain's rid of people are running these digs, and they just take whatever they want. Like the little white girl who just takes an ancient necklace off of a table walks and walks up. away with it. Like, oh, this is shiny. I now. like this. Take it's this. mine now. And that sets into motion so much of the movie. That's what pisses me off, <laughs> is that they're saying, it's cool that she stole, because it matters Well, later. she was the daughter of the guy in charge of the dig. Right. No one's telling her no. Right. He also pointed out real quick that they're supposed to be, like, British or something. Like, that's a whole British look. But she's blatantly got, like, a German, German accent. accent. Yeah, like, or, or Hungarian or something. Like, it's yeah, it doesn't a feel like, accent. the thing is, her accent doesn't feel... Maybe like anything like one, it feels like a blend. Yeah, I should look at you know, I should so maybe up they the were like German move to, to England, something. Sure. I don't know. I, I was going with like maybe she's like Austrian or some Germany okay, adjacent country that sounds vaguely but German they definitely to people still like us who are uneducated. To England because that was blatantly allusion to well, yeah, the yeah. whole. No, they were definitely depending on the average American populace because American school systems suck. Yeah, we don't know jack shit about no. Europe, so we're just like, oh. British, German, whatever. It's the same thing, and it works because you look at that, and you go English expedition type shit. Yep. It's plausible. They had the English expedition type hats. Oh god, her hat. That was just uh. yeah. So they find this thing. Uh, they they talk about a cover stone. 
they go a little bit further, and they're pulling up the gate. <laughs> after mine's... Oh, is it before or after they find the skeleton? No, they, they pull up the gate, and then they find the skeleton right. underneath. Right. So first they pull up a giant stone circle for some reason, because they see this thing flat on the ground and go, you know what, this will look better upright. <laughs> this stone will hold. It'll be fine. It's... 10,000 years old, it's okay. It's not it's brittle. Fine. Brutality isn't real. <laughs> and then they find... What skeleton? I guess it's supposed to be a skeleton. It looks, it like, looks like a fossil. A, it looks like a badly makeup designed fossil. I think it's sort going, of. I genuinely but think but what doesn't make any sense is that it's shaped like Anubis and Horus. Supposedly it's the guards. You know, you're supposed to think it's the guards. But they're, they, I mean, they, they make it be like the, like, flashback to the original Alien movie. Like, that's the kind of horror they want you to get from looking at that skeleton. And instead, like we're the, wondering oh, if no. it's a carving or a... And then we're going, why? <laughs> we're going, why? But also, seriously, we spent, like, what, five minutes talking? Is that a, is that a carving? Is it a carving or a Is it an imprint? Is like, it a... I think it's like the reverse reverse fossils where they fell into it yeah, and like it made an imprint. Yeah, That's the only That's thing it. that makes sense because <laughs> these guards do not have bones in this shape. Yeah, but like did you notice like the skeleton wasn't even like fully like rendered like yeah. for the jawline type shit? Like there was that rippling rock effect which looks like you're getting clay or something. Yeah, shit. it looked like it they just did the um weird. the embossed carving kind of thing. Yeah. That's what it looked like, yeah. which didn't make any sense, but what Whatever. Like we focused well, no, entirely no, it's too definitely, much on there this. was definitely carbon results because they talked about getting carbon dating. Right, yeah, they said it, yeah. It's, we're spending too much time on it. And, and <laughs> we, we know this, but it's such a weird detail. Yeah, such a, a weird detail time, that they put so much emphasis on, and it has nothing to do with the story. It it has it, it, it has the reason Jack is sent through. Yeah, that's the reason why they, it's it's to, it's to reinforce his suicidal storyline. Yeah, and the nuke. Yeah, like, there's there's weird Skeletor shit. Creepy <laughs> non-human Skeletor shit. Right. Like, and our only um, appropriate response to aliens is to destroy it. That's the worst part for me. Let's say it's a skeleton. Uh, say it's a skeleton, like a fossilized yeah. skeleton. I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure like we don't mind doing like drills. We like can drill fossils mm -hmm. and shit to like see what they're composed of, right? Wouldn't they have drilled that and seen like the interior composite of the helmet? As metal or something that that's, wasn't bone. I, I don't. I don't know. I, so I feel like that. I feel like they they, they they don't want you thinking too much about it because if you do, you realize there's, there's a few plot holes there. Because <laughs> they definitely would have realized that that wasn't real. That was a that was metal, like a helmet, a covering. Maybe they did. Maybe that's why they said the nuke. Because they're like, ooh, these guys have weird, creepy shit. Yeah, maybe they they don't they don't talk about it. They, that's what it always they they literally just use it. They they literally never talk about it. They just keep doing these dramatic shots on it. Right. So it's kind of a classic Emmerich thing. Introduce something with because you want to go for gravitas or scary, and then don't explain it, and people go a little batshit because of it. Sure. <laughs> classic Emmerich. <laughs> but yeah, he just he doesn't do subtlety well. So when he tries, <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. He's not he's not built for subtlety. Yeah, I know. It's like asking Michael Bay to do subtlety. <laughs> I'm just saying that's why they should have left out that fossil thing. It's just bizarre. Yeah, like theoretically, it would have we would have believed that without the sign of aliens, that America still would have been paranoid and <laughs> oh, sent yes. a bomb through anyway. Especially during the early '90s. Are you kidding? Yeah. Me? God, no. They didn't need to reinforce that. <laughs> All right, so All right. that'll be that'll now. Be side now we're that. in current day. Another smash cut. To current day, where Daniel is giving a uh, lecture. And proving that he was never meant to do a lecture. And proving once and for all that 
Atlantis, the Disney movie Atlantis ripped off Stargate. You know what? I Milo I remember doing Daniel. like the I, I remember doing the research and trying to figure out which came first, and I forget. I <laughs> well, forget. I'm pretty sure Atlantis was not 1994, so I don't know. It's kind of an old movie. Yeah, I don't think it's that old. It I, came out when we were kids. Yeah, I mm. think they were definitely inspired from oh, the movie, but I yes. then think the TV show came back around. Right, right. Well, you stole our premise. Now we're gonna make this thing called Stargate Atlantis. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. There we go. Well, to be fair, they referenced Atlantis in his um in his discussion there because you go. poor Daniel's just trying to have a um, serious discussion about the fact that uh, the pyramids were not built by the people that they originally thought. He's not okay. I need to make this very firmly clear. <laughs> he is not saying aliens built it. <laughs> he, he does not say that. No. Not later on this TV show. <laughs> will go on to <laughs> have people casually guy. say that he is the dude who said that aliens built the pyramids. He never once said that aliens built the pyramids. He said the pharaohs of the fourth dynasty did not build the pyramids. That is all he said. Yeah. He said they were older than that, and that that was it. That's all he said. They were older than people were saying. Yeah, well, you know, people aren't really interested in truth, so. <laughs> and then he suggested that an old and... Uh, venerated um, <laughs> previous academic in his field had uh, falsified some of his information. Yeah. And suddenly no one's listening to him anymore. Right. Because I just like how he just, <laughs> just, just, just casually, oh, those were, those were falsified. Yeah. yeah, it's like, okay, cool, proof. <laughs> Anything <laughs> at all? His no? big genius brain. Yeah, well, there you go. Or his beautiful face. Because James Spader can do no wrong. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah that's true. So, yeah, he uh, does a terrible job. Gets dismissed. Well, not like academically dismissed, but he gets a. Uh, Everyone walks out. Yeah, <laughs> his meeting gets academically dismissed. Yeah. They're like, we're done. Bye. Yeah. Basically, you're, you're, you have a career, technically, and he's not fired, but it's. They do I a mean, very good job of showing that no one paid gives a by shit. Anyone. He, he has everything he owns in his suitcases yeah. there. I think he, like, spent all of his money on hiring that hall. I can see that, yeah. So, yeah, so he, he walks out of the hotel. Uh, and I think it's like an actual academic hall, like those, um, like, huh. like a university building or okay. something, like a library annex or some shit. Sure, sure, we'll go with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, in the rain, carrying suit, lots of suitcases, and gets approached by Catherine. Surprise, Catherine, out of nowhere in a limo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who uh, does a very weird sort of come in here. I want to talk to you. <laughs> it's just. I don't know. He shouldn't have gotten in the car with a stranger, no. but it's fine. But especially since like, the first thing she does is show that picture of his family, which proves that she has stalked yeah. him to death at this I, point. I, I'm wondering, okay, I really wonder how long she's been trying to get him on the project, <laughs> and how long the military's been like, no. Nah. No. Nah. No. And then finally, after two years, they're like, fine. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. <laughs> Yeah, so basically, she says, hey, you have nothing to look forward to in life. You don't have a home. You just got laughed out of the last academic hall that'll listen to you. You want to work for me? <laughs> it's a little nervous face. He's like, um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then they get there, and what I love is uh, the fact that they actually use an establishing shot from Colorado. Oh, yeah, yeah. People used to do that. Oh, before we get there, uh, we go straight to a cut to see our other hero. Oh, yes, that's right. I forgot about the yeah. suicidal boss. They go collect the suicidal boss. Which, what the hell, man? What was that game plan? Like, they should have come back 
And the next shot should have been them returning to the house going, never mind, we've reported your <laughs> massively obvious mental instability well, to the superiors, and they're saying, you know what? No, they, they, they picked him up specifically because he was suicidal. Uh, he was going implied. on a suicide mission. It was blatantly why they wanted him. Implied. But at the same time, you're suicidal, and the fact that you did seem fucking word. Because it did seem They assumed to be... a lot of mental wherewithal. Oh, there. yeah, yeah. Well, it did. I don't, I don't, I don't know if it's just me, but it felt to me from that scene where they go to speak to him, like, he wasn't on active duty. Right, yeah, they, they, yeah, they, they do say you're re-reactivating. Re yeah, yeah, no, they do say that. So, you know, they, they call him in, in specifically because they knew he had nothing to had. lose and would be willing to go in and just <laughs> you know fucking kill himself. They needed a true soldier with nerves oh, of steel. Yeah, nerves of steel. I don't have the case. It's somewhere over there, and I'm too tired to pick it up. All-American hero type oh, that is Kurt Russell. They didn't want Jocko Field. They wanted Kurt Russell. Yeah, that's Yeah, they wanted his <laughs> jawline. looked enough like <laughs> Kurt Russell type. <laughs> they were like, fuck it. And then we go to Colorado. Right, we go to Colorado. Which, back when they actually like used real establishment. Yeah. Uh, and they, you know, my favorite thing is this is like the beginning. Of, to be fair, he already had a couple of tropes, but this is like the beginning of the major. Oh, Daniel Jackson dwarf is a walking frazzled trope. academic trope, but it's okay so because easy. he 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 wears it well. Yep, and then good guy Kowalski's uh, yeah, actually being kind of concerned about him. Yep, I like they brought that character back too. For the show. Oh, Kowalski's so great in the TV show. Yes, they may not have brought back the actor. Whoop de doo! They brought back Kowalski, and for like emotional purposes, it mm -hmm. works. Oh, I love the I, I, like he's great in the pilot, obviously, but I love the alternate reality one when he comes back. Oh yeah, ooh, yeah. that was so good. I love that episode. Yeah, deeply. I like how they, they they do bring back that actor a lot. Oh yeah, because they they knew he was a good actor. Just the emotional aspect of Kowalski, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, the follow through. Uh, he immediately comes in and starts shitting all over all the other work that the other, the other academic does it all the time. Every time he, that's why he's not accepted in any, any academic circle, because he's the young upstart who just comes in and goes, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. But I love the guy that he's fixing the translations for. That guy, um, I can't remember if he's in Stargate SG-1, I'm sure he is, but he is in Atlantis. Uh, he plays a guy named Linus. <laughs> I think it's Linus. It starts with an L. That yeah. sounds like him. It should be. It, that would be the name, right? Yeah. And it's a guy. He's just a, like a con man, a smarmy con man. Oh God! But he's a great character, and I just like how they brought he him back. He comes back as a con man because Daniel ruined, ruined his, his career. career. <laughs> <laughs> Found a way to face his galaxy. Yeah, I love that they um start they they introduce Daniel's hatred for Budge. Oh this. <laughs> And the fact, I don't know why they keep reprinting him. <laughs> and the fact that he just casually translates this ancient Egyptian <laughs> on a blackboard on the fly. He has no books open. He's just like, nope, this is wrong. I'm going to fix this for you. you it's fine. Done. I'm fluent in ancient Egyptian. Well, he does speak 27 languages, so it's okay. But yeah, uh, so he fixes the translation yeah, fixes and does it translation. as Stargate. Yes, uh, not not uh, Gate to Heaven. Yeah, because <laughs> Egypt had a heaven. Yeah, that's the whole thing. Didn't they not have heaven? <laughs> that was the best part. It's like, why did you... Egypt didn't have heaven. What are you talking about? So one of the scientists is about to tell him about what else they found right. with it. Because they're talking about things that he should probably know to do his job. Right, you think. Um... And then, <laughs> Mr. All-American, what, what, what's the, what, is, what was it again? Something hero? All-American hero. Oh, Nerves of Steel. Nerves oh, of Steel comes soldier. in and says, that information has been classified. Right. Classified yeah. 
from the people who are working for us yep, yep. and just got hired to New figure this yeah. out for us. You're right, not yep. allowed to know anything about it. Newly buzz cutted Kurt Russell reappears. Listen, I'd rather the buzz cut than that hippie haircut he had. Uh, I had long hair, man. That was so <laughs> That was awesome. so bad. Shit. But I love that as it begins with translation part. Translationing. I just said translationing. Um, and he's listening to like a recording he's made. And what does he say? The first time we hear this word, guys, that's used a lot in the show. And he pronounces it cartouche. Cartouche! Like, it is a cartouche. Yeah, it's cartouche. But the guy's fluent in fucking ancient Egyptian. Somehow can't pronounce cartouche correctly. Listen, if you've got 27 languages bouncing around in your skull, I can understand mispronouncing things sometimes. I, I, hell, man, I love it. I think it's really funny. Yeah. <laughs> And, listen, James Spader works harder to pronounce things than Michael Shanks ever does. Listen, I love Michael Shanks in Stargate SG-1. He does a great Daniel down the line. But he does not give a shit about trying to pronounce things. He doesn't try at all. Which is weird for the linguist on the team. Yeah, a little bit of a... A little bit of uh, Michael Shanks coming through. Where yeah. <laughs> he looked at the this script and went, "I'm not the doing this." Second season of the show wore his glasses in his hair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so ready for that. Oh, it's gonna be so, so good. We're gonna keep count of that. Every scene where he's not wearing his glasses on his eyes. That's gonna or, be something. Or like in the V of his shirt, where it would make uh-huh. sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're gonna so we're gonna be keeping an active tally throughout the entire you know movie and TV show about how many times the main characters die because it's a running joke. But the glasses thing in season two, we're definitely gonna keep track of that because that's important to me. It's all we could focus on for like three episodes. Was what the fuck are they doing in his Especially hair? Because he at one point he had him in his hair and was reading a piece of paper. He must have really fucking hated those onset. <laughs> Props. I guess all I can think is that they must have been super uncomfortable. Well, season three, he had new glasses. Yeah. No shit. They were like, fine. You won't wear them. We'll replace them. My God. So yeah, that was. He was. He, he's. Yeah. We're gonna. We're gonna more on that. Right. But his character was definitely established with the snarkiness that was James Spader. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh god. Like stealing the newspaper and then coming back and going. Oh can my I god. This? He just took the newspaper out of that. Didn't just like. First of all, I love the fact that he comes out and he's been working so hard that he's not even wearing a shirt anymore. He's just got a half-zipped-up hoodie on. <laughs> and he just goes to the freaking water fountain to fill up his coffee pot while like, grunting at the guard on duty. <laughs> and then while he's filling it up, he sees the back of the newspaper and sees some constellations it's on all it. Ryan. Gets inspired. Yanks the paper out of this guy's hand. And runs away with it. <laughs> runs back into his room with it. Comes back two seconds later, stepped to the window holding the paper up and goes, Can I borrow this? And then turns away before he can really have an answer. He doesn't care. He doesn't Mostly. care what the soldier said. He's It's his now. So yeah, uh, so that is the big sign that Daniel has solved the mystery of the cartouche. <laughs> of the cartouche. <laughs> so then you have your big meeting where he convinces, uh, the higher-ups that he knows there's mystery seventh symbol. Yep. yep. So he, he uh, the six locations to find the real destination. So he explains um, the concept that I really love about the Stargate, where he talked about how there's seven symbols because you need six to identify a point in space. And he draws a cube to show how you're basically taking a point from each surface of the cube and draw, meeting them into the dimensional. Love it. <laughs> and then says that the seventh symbol is the point of origin. 
And there we go. <laughs> do we do we do like a ding ding ding? ding, ding, ding. Uh, and then and uh, the guy, the the dude in charge, the not Hammond, the says, not General Hammond, says, uh, "So you want us to believe you solved in two weeks what the rest of us couldn't solve in two years?" <laughs> to which his response of two years, <laughs> like what? <laughs> Flashes to the other side, just we're all like embarrassed looking. I I love casual genius, Jay, uh, Daniel Jackson. It's just so beautiful because he has no awareness, and it's wonderful. I love it. Good for him. But what I love is they're opening that glass door, so you can see the Stargate. Well, it's Daniel can see the Stargate for the first time, and they play literal angel music <laughs> in the movie. And then for Catherine the- tells him. That's your, your stargate. stargate. Like, yes, because he, he named the it. Right, he so. named it. It's his stargate. It's his now. Well, he named That's how it, white people work, And man. he opened it. That's how white people work. They put a name on it, and it's theirs. <laughs> Listen, she was there in the original digs in Egypt. Yeah, she was part of the original theft party. Uh-huh, uh-huh. She stole a freaking oh, necklace God. from a dig when she was, like, ten. Oh, she yeah, knows I like what how she's she doing. passes on stolen property to him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. It's, All right, it's so great. we have a thing in this uh, podcast that we're going to be doing um, maybe every episode. It depends on how frustrated Liz gets with certain <laughs> aspects of the TV show. But uh, it's we're, we're calling it Devil's Advocate Corner. <laughs> Basically, when there's a plot hole... And I try and talk our way out of it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> switch such things a nice up. Way of explaining it. I'm gonna switch things up in the first episode though, because there is a big old plot hole in the movie, and it continues in the TV show as well. But it becomes, it just, it, it drives her insane. Drives me insane it's in the movie. It's the one watch. thing that just, I can't. <laughs> I cannot come up with an answer. So what her. we're gonna do is we're gonna turn this over to you <laughs> listeners. This is Devil's Advocate Corner for you. I want the listeners to explain to me how a wormhole that goes in one direction, they specifically say that the wormholes are one direction. You can't go back through. If you dial through on Earth, you cannot come back through on the other side. You have to dial through on the other side to get through to Earth. Yeah. How they're getting a signal from the mouth. Yeah, they send it out through, and it's like it's you know it's it's guiding itself, it's transmitting from its destination. How does information get transmitted through a wormhole? And they they establish in other shows like Atlantis and, and in later in Stargate Universe, they establish that radio goes through both ways. So I'm guessing that we're forgetting there's a there must be a line of dialogue in the TV show, specifically SG One. I'm assuming so, uh, talking about how physical thing like tangible like, like a pencil or some shit can go through one way only, but certain signals, because they're light waves or whatever, can go through. I'm hoping that they're, that's what I'm saying. I don't think, I think maybe it shows up in SGA because of the DTM. They, well, yeah, sure, I can see that. All I know is that they, they've established mm-hmm. in later shows, and they definitely established in SG-1, where like, when a wormhole is active, being able to talk to the person on the other side through a radio. Which is bullshit if it's supposed to be unidirectional. Oh, that's true. That's yes. what I'm talking about. When so, like, Jack's stuck on the other side. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm talking about. Like, there's yeah, times there's... where they've established that radio waves and shit like that go through. Which doesn't make sense. Which it does not make sense for yeah, a wormhole. So I, I don't. I... <laughs> so, yeah. If, I'm, I mean, I'm going to be keeping an eye out for it when we're watching. But if anybody can remember that they're actually If anyone like, knows anything dialogue. about the science of wormholes, you know? <laughs> Any Einstein Rosie <laughs> experts out there? 
Because that's not my field of expertise. I said Rosen Bridge. Sorry. Yeah, there you go. So if, yeah, if theoretical physics is your uh, is your game, please, we'd love to know. But yeah, so uh, they try out the um, the symbols that Daniel figured out from the cartouche. <laughs> I'm gonna try and say that every time. I am. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna die. Uh, and they dial it through, and it works. And the CGI for the Event Horizon uh, is beautiful. Seriously, to this day, 1994. I have not seen better water effects. Mm. Like, again, I think that all they did was transpose like a, a splash mm-hmm. onto the thing, and that should be how they should do effects okay, from now on. But I love <laughs> the funnel that comes out the back. Oh, I know that that's is gorgeous. so great. That detail uh, there, the, the attention they pay yeah. there, just that that long thin funnel is beautiful. Uh, it's like that. It's it's a great little attention to detail, like the other side, like seeing how a wormhole would turn into nothing to us like it would mm-hmm. look like it goes into nothing because that's where it enters into you know quantum physics realm or whatever i do live later on in uh season one when they have it on its side and it basically becomes a pool that you walk yep. into yep. <laughs> yep i do like that even if that episode's kind of rough in general it's still a great visual yep but yeah uh so they uh they open it up they figure out that you know oxygen works fine over there Somehow they lucked out yeah. hard. Uh-huh. The, <laughs> they didn't even wear, like, gas masks or anything. They literally, I guess the mouth told them it had breathable air. But still, like, they didn't bring Yeah, they, they specifically say that it reads that it has um, right. oxygen. That but they don't know what kind of toxins could be, like, just beyond. <laughs> they don't even bring a hazmat suit, is what I'm saying. No, they don't. They really, really don't. That just seems really dumb. Uh, but yeah, so I don't remember what prompts the guys to think oh we don't know how to come back there's something that they're like well we we don't know how we can't send anyone through because we don't know how to get back yeah and then daniel says oh no i can get us through yeah that that one i don't know i don't remember what prompts that but basically they're like well it's cool it's cool that we found another uh planet on the other side of the quote-unquote known universe but uh if we can't dial back we can't do anything with it so um close it up (laughs) Yep, he's like, oh, no, no, it's cool. I, yeah, I can, I can translate. <laughs> and Daniel lies through his teeth because he assumes something, and it doesn't bother to specify to them that he's assuming something. <laughs> well, I think he's well aware that if he specified, they would say, well, then right? we're not no. going. No, yeah, he, he knows. He, he knows he what he's doing. He just wants doing. to go, man. He just wants to fucking go. Yeah, he just wants to go. <laughs> so, uh, blame it, man. Like, if I had to die doing it on an alien Yeah, planet, sure. Dude, my last words would be shit. I'm on another planet, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they uh, organize a, an expedition team full of uh, Air Force soldiers and Daniel. <laughs> and uh, before they go, they have another nice, ominous shot of the uh, skeletons, and we get yep. a better look at them. And we but see just that they've got the uh, Anubis face and a Horus face. Mm-hmm. Which didn't make a lot of sense to me when we get into more of this later on, but I'll get to that when we get to that. That's what kills me, is the fact that they have Kurt Russell scene, because you're like, oh, he knows there's danger, there must be something else going on Well, I do like the fact that it was him looking at it, because, like, if they had shown that to Daniel, he would have been like, oh, that's Anubis and and Horus. But because it was some freaking... Half runtime goes away. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But since it was a freaking Air Force colonel... Oh, no. I think, think, yeah, Colonel. I, I can't keep track of that kind of stuff. But yeah, so it's this Air Force Colonel who we find out later on has his degrees in astronomy. Yeah. Um, 
He doesn't know what he's looking at. He's just like, this is alien. This is dangerous. This yeah. nuke is going to be worth it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you see some, like, uh, him talking to his, his commanding officer, and there's definitely some sketchy shit getting planned off to the side. Yep. Meanwhile, Daniel's packing an entire suitcase full of books for his trip to the other planet. So yeah, they, um, they're getting ready to go over. Catherine gives Daniel... Yeah, she passes on her stolen, uh, stolen property. The, the gold necklace that has the, the eye of Ra inscribed on it. Yep. Oh, and then there's that shot uh, where he's walking by in the um, gate room. And <laughs> there's this shot that just annoys me. This mm. is supposed to be, like, obviously it's a set. Like, I don't think they were allowed to film the actual Cheyenne and Mountain Combat. So yeah. They had to purposely make the decision to distress one of the walls. Oh, God. <laughs> there's a, like, there is a chunk of concrete just fucking the missing. Is, I don't think they did. I don't think they did purposefully distress it. I think wherever they were filming had, concrete, had that. Yeah, I know. Because... If you notice, right where that distress is, that really Has deep that big distress, bar over there's it. a big metal bar, like, yeah, and, I get and I'm like, they're <laughs> clearly worried about that wall. Right, but just the fact that they didn't, like, dress that, I guess, for the scene, then, like, this is supposed to be a military complex, you're telling me these people are seeing that they're underground, and they depend on this concrete to keep it them alive. It should be fine. And there's a crack, but, like, an entire section of concrete is just fucking gone. Yeah, it looks like that freaking crack from that one season of Doctor Who. <laughs> The one that goes into other like realities. Yeah, yes. it's like a, a, a gaping mall. Yeah, and yeah. So it doesn't look like it's too deep or anything, but it's still not something I'd want to see. In no, the that's a stress fracture right there. That's, that's not something you want underground. No, like, I just I wouldn't be shrugging that off, and they do, and that's annoying to me, especially when I like, get severe vibrations coming from this fucking wormhole generator <laughs> in that same room. <laughs> the generator that they say. They say later on in the the show, costs so much electricity, so much power to run. The money they are tanking into this program is insane. Yep. So yeah, it's uh, that scene bugs me. <laughs> Just the fact they didn't take the time to daub over that stupid scar in the concrete from a building that's clearly not under thirty floors of dirt. <laughs> well weight of other concrete <laughs> floors at the very there least. There we go. Just, uh, but yeah, so that scene happens. <laughs> but it gets immediately better because they're allowing them to go through and the soldiers look all like properly scared and tough guys they go through. And then they're a beautiful scene of wonder. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's got this, Daniel has this amazing look of wonderment and as he's rapture. approaching the yeah. event horizon. But what I really like and what really says a lot about James Spader as an actor is that he's got like this long lingering moment of wonder and then right before he's about to step through, his face just sort of sinks into slight trepidation. Yeah. Where he's yeah. suddenly realizing, oh, I'm about to go to another planet. Yeah. And I probably won't die. <laughs> Maybe, if I'm right about my assumption. Yeah, and I'm just going through a wormhole for the first time ever. <laughs> my body's can handle this, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, I won't get liquefied. Right? <laughs> if anyone who's listening has seen Farscape, you know what I'm talking about with that liquefaction grossola that supposedly can happen in a wormhole. So, I'm just saying, I that'd be my trepidation face, is am I going to turn to sludge? Here's a secret for the listeners at home. I don't know what she's <laughs> talking about. There's this thing, it's it's a tiny little tangent for you, but uh, in Farscape, the, the whole thing, the premise of that show is he gets sent across the galaxy by a rogue fucking worm tunnel. <laughs> a wormhole? Wormhole. <laughs> it used to be called tunnels, too. We watched something. Yeah, I do. I, I remember that. 
and he try- he's trying to get home. You know, like like last sci-fi, just trying to get home. Here's a question: it. Is it an extreme wormhole? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the whole thing is that he lucks out that he doesn't get liquefied in it because later um, this other alien wants to use wormholes to get blah 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 blah. Turns out they're usually unstable, which I can understand. But they kind of say that wormholes are a naturally occurring phenomenon. So huh? <laughs> how that works. Uh, <laughs> anyway, if they're unstable, though, you go through and uh, if your calculations are off, <laughs> you melt. Like Whoops. your body turns like they show a ship opening and it's, it's body soup. Hmm. It is one chick thinks she's gotten it, and then later in the episode, she turns out her calculations actually were still off, but she's just slowly melting. Nice. Beautiful. So, because I've seen that, my first thought is, like, when I see that beautiful face acting of his, that moment of trepidation. He's suddenly thinking back to that. I'm thinking, he's has, going, look at the Has Daniel Jackson seen Farscape? He has jumped <laughs> ten years into the future and seen Farscape, yes. Oh, eight years. Yeah. That for me would be like, you don't know what that wormhole's gonna do to you. No, no, you don't. And as it turns out, when you get to the other side, you're covered in ice. <laughs> Which they do fix no, later on in the no, show, I and I like I the fact that, that they actually- More That's detail. another one where they call back. The pilot episode, they do ice over again when they go through. But after that, they don't, because they specifically say in the show that they fixed it. I don't yeah. remember what the scientific gobbledygook was, oh, what they said. it's something that Sam says. Yeah, it's something Sam says. We'll note it when it happens. But- I like that they're paying attention. Pretty sure that they're talking about Stellar Drift being the cause of it. No, no, Stellar Drift. Stellar Drift was why they couldn't. Um, right. They couldn't dial anywhere uh, yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. But I think that they also. I think that also corrected later. Turns out there was always like a little bit going on. Okay. And yeah. then they do. They do a better job to, to how they dial. How their dialing is being sent yeah. out. Which like, is why they're actually the able to go to other right. places later so, on. So, like, they fix, like, that data stream part, and that makes the wormholes a little bit more correct, and then that is why they're not iced over. <laughs> sure. But it's a really cool <laughs> detail that they Yeah, they pay attention to. From the movie. Um, so, yeah, they come out, they walk out of what they find is a pyramid. Yeah, that's cool. And find themselves on a desert planet with... Oh, yes. after a copious amount of flares are oh, used. Oh, yeah. They open <laughs> oh, my flares. God. That tells you it's the 90s. Uh, These days, it would be like glow sticks. Yeah. But no, flares all real on an too. alien planet with air that you only sort of know is breathable. <laughs> but what kills me is they later, not that much later in the movie, they establish that they're not quite sure what material the Stargate is made of. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they've done tests, but how, unless, the t- unless you're telling me the test directly included possibly having phosphorus or, like, magnesium on it, you don't know how stable no, that shit no, is. No, you don't. So, yeah, there are copious and excessive use of flares in that fucking room where those sparks could land anywhere. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, like, that just screams so stupid to me. Well, they're soldiers. What do you yeah. want from them? But, yeah, so after the copious amount of flares. Yeah, they come out, pyramid, three moons, lots and lots of desert. Nothing else. <laughs> There's just nothing to be seen. And they turn around, and almost angel music with behind the um, pyramid being the three moons. Yeah, the three moons. Which one of those was close? Oh yeah, I'm, I'm concerned about the tides. It's a good thing we don't see any water on this planet right, because damn, that's tidal be... forces had to be a bitch. Whew. Plus, damn, that had to be <laughs> bright as shit, considering how bright the sun is. Like, I'm assuming there's some reflection going on there. Yeah, because it was daylight, and you could see every single moon quite clearly. Yeah. I like how each one of them looked like our moon, too. Like, battle-scarred moons like ours. <laughs> like, there are moons out there that are quite intact. Mm-hmm. It's a thing. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, Emmerich is good for that. His establishing mm-hmm, shots mm-hmm. are good. They're big, and they're not too obvious. <laughs> yeah, that one, that one wasn't too bad. It with, was like, some the- shitty CGI, though. 
<laughs> the men on the dune. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> compared that to that part, shot. yeah, that wasn't great. That soundstage. <laughs> oh, there's a lot of soundstage in this movie. I tell it's you, fine. I love times, the fact that, that they always make sure stage. it's really dark, so you can't see the walls of the soundstage. <laughs> yeah, except for like that one desert scene where it's very well lit. Yeah. That's unavoidable. They did a pretty good job of being like, okay, this doesn't look that great. <laughs> let's let's mask it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they all go looking out. Uh, soldiers are setting up camps. Start bullying. Well, they don't start bullying yet. They, they bully when they find out Daniel doesn't know how to get them home. <laughs> because Jack is like, all right, let's turn around and go home. We're leaving right now. <laughs> and he's like, but, but I want to look. And Daniel starts the beginning of what he will do from now until eternity. But Jack, but Jack, I want to no, see civilization. No, Daniel, we have to go. But Jack, I want to stay. I want to make friends and accidentally get married to another princess. <laughs> he is the Kirk of that show. In a weird way, considering he <laughs> well, never much, tries. Let me, rephrase. I, let me rephrase. That's an insult to Michael Shakes and Daniel Jackson. He is a much more consent-operated Kirk. There we go. But yeah, so then when they find out that Daniel stretched the truth just a tiny bit so he could go on this trip, just a tiny, just, like, he, he lied. <laughs> yeah, he lied. He has no idea how to go home. Suddenly, the soldiers aren't very happy with him. It's like, if I can translate the symbols, I just don't know what order to dial them. And it's like, it fucking think to mention that? <laughs> that key important detail? Well, I assumed they'd be in there outside the gate. Why? Because they were on Earth. The fuck kind of logic is that? Especially considering buried on Earth. Especially considering he had just had a a, a speech, uh, a lecture, where he had been talking about how the writing inside the pyramids was falsified. <laughs> yeah. And you assumed there was going to be writing inside this pyramid? Oh, I know, seriously. What kills me, though, is the fact that they found their shit buried yeah. on Earth. I'm guessing the mouth showed them that the shit was all upright. Well, yeah, it would have because it would have come through. Right, exactly. It's upright, it's operational, not buried, not hidden away, and yet they don't take this as a as a bad thing, as potential, just you know. Yeah, I yeah. Don't know. <laughs> but it just it just the fact that this shit was buried tells me that they people took the time to go let's get all this shit together, let's put it somewhere nice, and this shit has been in use, clearly, at some point, more recently than the Earth yeah. circuit was used, this one was used, and it's still ready to be used again, most likely, like, or at the very least, the people, there's people there who want to make it look like it can be used. Mm-hmm. There is nothing to suggest, at all, that they leave their dialing, their their address book, right next to it. They might, there's no reason to say they wouldn't, Yeah, but there's nothing to say they're is. Well, I mean, you know, you can't expect them to memorize all their phone numbers. Yeah, I know, but just, he, he's so full of shit. Yeah, no, he is. He is. <laughs> it's fine. He pulls stuff like that later on in the TV oh, show, I know. too. I love it. He's I'm just like, oh, no, we can't leave grin. because I love Daniel. Reasons. reasons. We can't leave because reasons. Daniel is the master of because. <laughs> because. He's like kid every mom hates who goes, like, my mom used to say this to me all the time. Like, because, you know, why? Because, no, that's not how you end an argument. <laughs> she literally says it all the time. You cannot end an argument with because. This is an actual sentence she has said to me. That's phenomenal. I know there's reasons. I don't always know those reasons, but they are there. 
So I know it's early on, but I think especially with this iteration of, uh, of Jack O'Neill, I think we can pretty instantly say that we're both Daniel in this movie, yeah? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Granted, it's early on Jack O'Neill, but oh yeah. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a few bright moments of Jack in this. Where he has a personality, but for the most part, he's, he's still just Kurt Russell. the soldier with nerves of steel. <laughs> a true soldier with nerves of steel. I'm sorry, Richard Dean Anderson adds... I love Richard Dean Anderson. So much. He is what made O'Neill O'Neill. I'm sorry, Kurt Russell is great, but his character in this is a flat block of wood with a blonde buzz cut. Yeah. <laughs> he's there to be G.I. Joe. Yeah, he is G.I. fucking Joe. He is the first iteration of Channing Tatum. <laughs> I can't figure out if that's an insult to Channing Tatum <laughs> or Kurt Russell. Let's just leave it as both. Both, both yeah. Both, both. Both, both okay. sounds good, yeah. <laughs> Alright, so, uh, He has no character at all. He's, that guy was a dead kid. Yeah, that, that's, he's, he's the tragedy. Um. Who immediately goes about replacing said dead kid. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, soldiers are pissed off, they do the little bullying, they, they literally shove him into the sand. I can't... <laughs> They don't even, like, punch him. They shove Daniel into the sand. It's amazing. It's It's like they've become five years old again. It's Hollywood bullying scene 101. It's beautiful. I love it. Entirely unoriginal. Uh, So Daniel goes off on his own. And then does the sunscreen scene that you love so much. I just... First, it's, it's the, oh, the hell that is. He tosses, <laughs> he tosses it into the sand. I'm very <laughs> upset with him in this scene, though, because he started to collect his books and then just left them there. Yeah, after, after my favorite line of everything but sunblock, he then goes looking for his books and then just sits down and starts eating a power bar. I think that was a candy bar. I don't even think that was a power bar. I'm pretty sure that was just but a candy they bar. They eat power bars in Stargate Atlantis. It's the word in my head. <laughs> but yeah, so then he uh, sees some interesting... Um, Imprints in the sand. Yeah, and decides to go off and follow them on his own. On his own. Can we just all the things wrong with this scene? First, those paw prints are not paw prints. No, those look like people. Oh, those, those are absolutely like a bipedal. Well, to be fair, but to be pattern. fair, the thing that they have playing this creature Actually, is sorry. clearly two Quadrupedal. people under under a costume. It is clearly two people under a costume. Yeah. So it's just their feet. Yeah, exactly. They just so, yeah. put the people in the costume and had them walk. Yeah, it's not it's not quadrupedal. It's no. two bipedal. <laughs> yeah. So he follows these tracks and finds a space yak. A space yak. Which, that's what kills me, is the fact that he just, it's a desert. You can see the wind blowing. Mm-hmm. That thing, the coincidence, the coincidental timing of that thing having that walked thing, by in the last, like, hour. That thing went over the hill and out of sight. Immediately before they came out of the pyramid. Yeah. Immediately. The timing is... Instantly. Yeah. Like, like if they had looked at the hill where it was crossing over as soon as they came out, they might have seen tufts of its hair disappearing under the hill. You know what would be a great tagline for this movie, like, to describe it in one sentence? This is what this movie is about. A bunch of guys go to an alien planet and a series of coincidences then occurs. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's a lot of coincidences. It's just and then a series of coincidences. So... Daniel gives the space yak part of a candy bar. It decides that it really likes him. And I like how this thing, this alien creature, thankfully isn't allergic to, like, peanuts or some shit. Like, feeds him some earth food, and this doesn't end badly at all. Uh, the soldiers realize their academic is missing. (laughs) Go looking for him. Scare the space yak. (laughs) The space yak runs, dragging Daniel behind him for... Two million yards? <laughs> yeah. All of the yards. <laughs> Drags him until they reach an encampment. 
Then again, somehow A does he does not die during this <laughs> exchange, and then B reaches this encampment and doesn't get you know I don't know stoned or some shit, because ah scary white dude. Well, he doesn't get stoned because as soon as he walks up to these people, they see his necklace, which just happens to be blatantly apparent this entire time. Which actually, I'm pretty sure I don't see it at all in the opening. That has a big old picture of the eye of Ra, and they decide that they are all messengers of the gods. <laughs> you know, standard uh, fare for a white man coming into an, uh, another <sighs> civilization. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. White guy is god. Got it. Yeah. Cool. Symbolism achieved. Uh, they all bow. Kasuf shows up. Jabbers at Daniel. Daniel has no fucking clue what he's saying. Oh, I do love that charm scene. Where, like, he's charmed by it. Like he, you know, he's just oh yeah, where he, so, uh, no, it's after. Okay, so he um he brings water for everyone. I'm assuming it's water. Yeah, they right. didn't do the moonshine reaction that they have in the pilot, so I'm assuming it's water. Yep. Give everyone water. Daniel's like, oh well, I have to do the the exchange thing as well. So he once again pulls out his freaking candy bar. I like how he's like a tr- pound yeah. of fucking candy bars on him. Offers it to Kasif. Kasif is like, what the heck is this? Takes a bite. Chews on it for a minute and then goes, "Oh my god, this like, is amazing!" This sugar, first time he's about <laughs> yeah. sugar, and he says, uh, "Beniwa, Be- Beniwa, yeah, Beniwa," and he says that a couple of times, and then Daniel just kind of goes, "Yeah, Beniwa," and like, and then Jack comes up behind him and goes, "What is he saying?" And then in the most amazing voice ever, Daniel goes, "I have no idea." He's charmed and he has no clue what anyone is saying. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so they're they're having like their little bonding moments, uh, getting introduced to the the encampment. Mm-hmm. Um, and to Pretty Chick. Yeah. Well, and Scar. Well, he he gets a glance of Pretty Chick. She's she's, she's, she's the one who brings him water. water. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the and then suddenly, um, a, an alarm raises, and all of the villagers start boarding up like the walls of the encampment and everything because there is a sandstorm coming. Right. Again, coincidence. Yeah. It, uh, it's hitting everywhere. It hits the original camp, uh, main camp of the soldiers. Mm-hmm. So they have to go base hide camp. in, yeah, base camp. Hits the base camp, they have to go hide in the pyramid. Uh, <laughs> meanwhile, at the encampment, the, uh, the soldiers are flipping out at the, the walls being barred. And literally takes a person hostage. Yeah, they both take, uh, Kowalski and, um, Jack both take hostage. Yeah. And Daniel's like, and- Chill. And Scotta <laughs> has to take Jack up and show him the freaking sandstorm approaching. Right. right. No. And I, but I do love that as soon as Jack explains to Kowalski, no, it's it's a sandstorm. Kowalski lets go of his hostage <laughs> like and then goes, "Sorry, sorry." <laughs> what I love though is like he lets like he was holding that guy. And he lets go of the guy him. just falls to the ground. <laughs> it's like dear God, part of me kind of wonders if he was actually choking the extra. Who knows? But yeah, that happens. They get over their little initial awkwardness. Yeah. Step in the hero cycle. <laughs> uh, then it's dinner time. Yeah. The obligatory else, food yeah, scene. Yeah. The obligatory where, tastes like chicken scene. Well, what I do love is that all of these soldiers who have been to other countries, because at least Jack is a, a, a black beret. Green yeah, like green beret. Green beret. He looks decorated. I think a couple of them had to be decorated. Oh, yeah. But they're all like, mmm, this food's weird. Whereas Daniel's just casually chomping down. He's like, hey, listen. <laughs> Look, it looks like a dinosaur turtle. We're fine. <laughs> yeah. Big turtles are dinosaurs. Yeah. 
something like that. I don't like, know. Really close. Alligators are. Yeah. yeah um, it looks like a dinosaur aardvark and a yeah. turtle had a love child. He tries the interesting <laughs> creature, decides it tastes like chicken, decides that these people must know what a chicken <laughs> is, and so, yeah, flaps his arms like wings and makes chicken noises. No one knows what the hell he's doing. Well, they know what he's doing. It looks like a fucking moron. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Man, you'll never convince me that part of that wasn't ad-libbed. <laughs> Just because it's uh, a little too weird. Well, the part where he says, get off me to the space yak, <laughs> that was ad-libbed. I feel like the guys in the space yak costume were, like, bothering him. <laughs> like, kept nudging him. Yes, and he's thing. like, get off me. <laughs> and fucking Yuma, are you kidding me? I'm hot and miserable. Stop okay, you know, you know Clue. Yeah. You know the intonation that Miss White has in the one scene where she's looking at the um the blackmail pictures and yep. she's like, Oh no, on. that position's not possible. <laughs> and Professor Plum goes, Yeah, sure it is, and like grabs her and starts to put her in that position, and then she has that the Madeline Kahn voice where she says, Get off me. That's literally the voice yes. James Spader yes. had in that scene. Yes. <laughs> For me, my impression was um that scene from Tarzan. Oh, where, she, <laughs> where he's tickling her hand and he's like, she's like get, 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 get off! <laughs> it was like that. That's what I thought it sounded like to me was, get away from me. Yeah, so, yeah. so uh, they're having the dinner. Daniel decides to actually try and figure out how to get them home and starts trying to... Uh, Asks them about the Eye of Ra since they responded to that. Draws it in the sand and Ksif immediately panics and stomps it out. He's like, nope, 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 nope. And he tries like one more time and he's like, nope. <laughs> and then suddenly he like stands up and starts saying stuff and no one knows what he's doing. I like how the alien's response to this guy keeps trying to write is, let's get him late. Yeah. So <laughs> basically they usher him off. Daniel has no idea what's, he's like, I think they want to go with me. Should I go with them? I'll, I'll go with them. <laughs> And they, they, they just, just let watch him. His, yeah, they all just watch him get taken away. Like his his concerns seem kind of founded. Yeah, <laughs> and they're just like, eh. They're just separating us they're one by one. They're so casual fine. with their it's academic, not, like ritual execution or they, anything. They're <laughs> not that casual with him in the show. They're just like, wait, Daniel's been out of my sight for two seconds. Our what has he done now? It's always our precious child that reaction. Yeah, so time. they take him off to a uh, tent. Where he's being fussed at by a whole bunch of ladies. Not even gonna touch that. <laughs> we have a rule, uh, <laughs> listeners, that I don't get to touch obvious sexist <laughs> type stuff because I am what we call a ranter. <laughs> and I just, we acknowledge that there's a limit. There's a finite amount of time in the universe and I can't keep wasting it yeah. on the same diatribe every time. So... This is one of those scenes where I'm not even going to touch that. Yeah. Uh, so basically, the entire point of the scene is they've decided that as a messenger for the gods, they're going to give him a gift <sighs> in the form of the daughter, yeah, Shouty. Very At tasteful. least when she comes in. So she comes in. Scared. Yeah, scared. Nervous, clearly scared. Starts to pull down her shirt. And as soon as Daniel figures out what she's doing, he immediately pulls her sleeves back. He's like, no, 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 no. I like how we put him on a pedestal because he doesn't take advantage of it. Yeah, no, it's it just that I hate Hollywood. I know, I know. But it does say something about Daniel as a character, how yeah. panicked he was. <laughs> oh, God, oh, God, no, no. And then he tried to just, like, usher her back out. And then, of course, because she was supposed to be a gift to the gods, and he's trying to kick her out, they panic and think she's been kicked out. Right, so of course, and you know you know that she would get punished for that. He at least figured that out. He figures out that she would be the one to get in trouble if he does deny her as a gift. Yep. And basically goes, 
thank you. Wraps an arm around her <laughs> and then closes the door and brings her back in. Yeah, he's just like, all right, well, we'll sneak you out later. It's fine. It's fine. You know, my favorite things about this scene is it's a weird mm-hmm. irony that it's established Daniel originally was, you know, nervous and didn't want to have sex with Chari. That was not his mm-hmm. initial impression. Yeah. That foundation of that relationship is how it is in this you know, universe. Mm-hmm. In real life, for the TV show, Michael <laughs> Shanks dated Valentine Bandier, I think her name is. I apologize. I will do better for the actual first episode when I can read the name. Mm-hmm. They were together for years. She had one of his kids. She's pregnant in the show, and that scene is not a prosthetic belly. That's her being pregnant with his Listen. kid. So I just think it's really awesome that the actors... For the second generation of, of them. Of course he dated her. She was a model. Right. Michael Shanks only dates models. Seriously, he has such a type. <laughs> I commend him, but damn. So I just find it really funny that the actors, granted it's the second iteration, but still that cinematic universe that yeah. those characters, I just find it a funny juxtaposition no, of, it's great. of fiction versus reality. So... He decides to, like, pretend that he's accepted her as a gift. <laughs> Thanks. This, Thanks, this guys. human being yep. that you've given to me. Uh, then we flash back to the base camp for a little bit. Freddy's having a freak out. And you cannot convince me he did not study physics. Because he's the only soldier explaining wormholes. He's the <laughs> only one explaining wormholes. In my head, it's totally not an accident <laughs> that it was the guy who played an alien <laughs> in Third Rock. That's, that's true. No wonder he's so smart. There we go. Yeah, that's that's the real secret. Freddy was Harry Sullivan. <laughs> and he didn't die in the pilot. He just went back to his home planet. Fuck yeah. Just like it's not an accident that the actor who played <laughs> Dr. Floss in Star Trek Enterprise has a line in a later season of SG-1 where he says, I worship at the altar of Gene Roddenberry, and he played in a uh-huh, Gene Roddenberry show uh-huh. later. Like, that's just, that ships. It's great. It messes with me. So yeah, but uh, we didn't just go back to the base camp to hear Freddy panic. They're, they're camping down in the, the pyramid, hyped from the sandstorm, just in time for Daddy to come home. <laughs> you remember the first opening scene of the movie? With a giant pyramid-shaped spaceship coming down from the sky. Yeah, that happens again. And it lands on the current pyramid. Which, I have a bone to pick with Gawwolds <laughs> about their spaceship construction, but... <laughs> they look cool. They're practically <laughs> stupid. Yeah, that, I don't. I don't get so it. So much wasted space. I don't know what they're trying to do. <laughs> but, yeah, so basically, base camp gets attacked by, uh, aliens. And they do a really good job, like you were talking about, with suspense, where you don't see any of these aliens getting attacked. You see, like, staffs coming out and hitting people. Which, another thing that I love, um, another one of the attentions paid in the TV show, is they use the exact same sound effect for those staffs Mm -hmm. in the TV show as they do in the movie. Yeah, so they, they do a lot of, like clawed hands coming out and throwing people yeah, or staffs. It was, it they was don't well show who's... Everyone in the base camp gets captured. Oh, and... Uh, oh, that's right. No one dies this. Alright, so, um, so we go back gone. to the encampment. Yeah, there's a brief scene trying to get a hold of them again, and they're just like, oh, still interference? And he's like, no, it's just like they're not there. Yeah. So there's a brief little scene where they know that there's something kind of potentially hinky going yeah. on, so decide they're gonna skedaddle. And then we get the bonding moment between Jack and yep. Scott. So they're, yeah, they want to skedaddle, but they can't because they... It's chill. Yeah. So there's the bonding moment, which goes from a PSA, and it's cool to smoke, kids. <laughs> no, apparently, I mean, it apparently was Jack O'Neill don't a, give a it's shit. A cool to sm- he knew that Scott was not going to like it. I, I do love. He's just like, yeah, it's okay. One huff of a death stick is fine. 
I do love that he knew Scotta wasn't going to like it, and he was just waiting. So Scotta takes one huff. It's First of all, I love that he's trying to look exactly like reclined the same way Jack yep, is. He's yep. like, he like and looks at Jack, adjusts himself, yep. looks back, and adjusts himself again. And then takes one puff and chokes on it and throws it down on the ground <laughs> and, and then stomps, stomps on it. Like a kid. It's so good. <laughs> I do love that Jack's like, yeah, it's not that great. And tosses his own down. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I shouldn't do this. Here, take my lighter. It's a cute yeah. bonding moment, but really it just keeps it so I can't I can't smoke yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I love it. And then that lighter comes smoking. back. They bring that lighter back for the pilot. Yeah. The pilot's yeah. so good for paying attention to the movie. And this no, this is what I had such a hard time with like with Emmerich is because that's a great scene. You know, it's moving, it's cute, it's got a good little bond. It's you know, yeah. narratively it's kinda of makes sense, right? And I know that this next part I'm gonna have a problem with <laughs> technically narratively blah, 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 blah. It's it's this is my problem, guys. He he's a yo yo. <laughs> yeah. He does good shit and then follows that same in that same scene, it goes from cute subtle bonding kind of moment with a cigarette, you know, like, haha, that father figure type shit, right? And it's not necessarily subtle, but it's mm-hmm. definitely not overt. Yeah. And it goes straight from that to some super overt, guns are bad! Because <laughs> Scott touches that gun, and Jack, he of course, flips his shit. just loses his shit, because of course, you know, he has this tragic backstory of his kid who shot himself with his own service revolver, mm-hmm. which... I, it kind of bugs me that a military guy did not safely stow his gun. I'm sorry, it pisses me off. Like, I, it makes me not like Jack O'Neill as a base character, because he is a military guy. And this is a career military guy. Mm-hmm. And he apparently just leaves his service revolver just yeah. lying the fuck around. Like, not, it's not, not locked great. up. Like, would you put it in his fucking desk drawer? Jesus. It's not a great look. It doesn't, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not going to say, like, you know, that he's a bad parent. I'm just going to say... What the fuck, dude? Why yeah. didn't why didn't you stow your goddamn gun? <laughs> As a character flaw, that's just a bad one. Oh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> they have their super ah guns are bad moment, which it just pisses me off that that super overt, not great acted, done, written anything scene is the same scene that we just had with the beautiful Bonding, uh, lighter stomping on yeah. the cigarette cuteness that has a subtlety to the acting that makes me go oh suspension of disbelief. There you are. And then I lose it immediately mm-hmm. with that stupid gun flip out. It just bugs me. Oh, we did. I did skip past the thing um, shortly after uh, Daniel um, accepts, quote unquote, accepts Shouty <laughs> as a gift. Um, there is an awkward moment where they're sitting in the tent together, and then Shouty, uh, he's trying to show her through pictures how he got here. And she does the thing where she's like, oh no, you're, you're writing. writing bad. You can't do that. And looks away. And then he's like, oh, just kind of like frustrated that he can't, you know, yeah. communicate with him. And he's like doing the, you know, looking off to the side, muttering to himself. <laughs> and then while he's distracted, Shouty starts to draw something. Kudos to the woman. Mm-hmm. Woman's the only one. Having the guts. Oh, and yeah. then uh, he notices, asks um, if she's seen symbols like that before. Which she somehow figures out of, that he uh, sign knows, language there. Yeah, he somehow figures out what he wants. And, um, so then, after the scene with, uh, Scotta and Jack, we go, we cut to Shadi showing Daniel another building that, like, no one else goes to because it's forbidden because Uh-oh. there is writing all over it. Uh, and he's, like, enjoying the hell out of himself, looking at all this old writing, and he's kind of doing that thing where 
especially if you're like translating something where you'll be kind of like muttering it under your breath as right. you're looking as your hand is going across it so he's doing that and then he says one word that seems to catch Shadi's attention and she says a word very similar to it but with a slightly different pronunciation and he starts going what and then he like repeats it and she repeats her version of it and then he points at another thing and says what he thinks, how it's pronounced. Right, and yeah. she says how it's actually pronounced. The Hollywood just translation that, moment. Yeah. He does that a couple of times. And suddenly he knows how to speak this language. Because Which... it was it was just ancient Egyptian. And here we go. Here we yeah. go. Here's the thing that you love so much about this scene. <laughs> I've been snickering since we started talking about this uh-huh, scene. Uh-huh. I can't have been holding it back. So they're doing this translation scene, which is already kind of, you know, fudging my ability to suspend disbelief because it's just so instant, right? <laughs> I'm the first one to say how smart he is, but still. But seriously, the guy, okay, it says this was written by Dean Devlin and Roland Emmerich. Whoever yeah. wrote this line is my hero. <laughs> I'm, I I doubt Roland Emmerich wrote this line. It's gotta uh, be Dean Devlin. Oh my god, I hope. Oh, seriously, I just, I love whoever wrote the line because he's talking about translating and then they show him being found by the others. Mm. And he's you know, like, oh, speaking the language now. And they're like, oh, dude, you speak the language now. He's like, yeah, once you learn the vowels. <laughs> Which is great, because ancient Egyptian didn't have vowels. That's an obscure fact. But I love that they wrote that line, because that is such a joke of a line. And it's it had so to good. be on purpose. No, it was, and I'm a dork. I no love way language it jokes. wasn't on purpose. I love, uh, it made me so happy <laughs> when I found out about that. I'm like an 11-year-old girl. <laughs> happiness moment mm-hmm. no i love that i because uh i i i had my um my period of time where i was obsessed with ancient egypt but i was really obsessed more with the mythology which we'll get into in a minute when um uh someone's about to enter the scene uh, but you told me about that thing with the languages and i was like that is amazing i love it but yeah uh so basically when they find him he recounts the story of how Ra, how he came down to the planet in a dying body, um, and one brave boy yeah. went towards the light of his spaceship, and he realized that he could inhabit this body like a parasite and live on. Uh, and then it talks about how, um, after a while, the people of Egypt rose up against him and kicked him out, and that is why the gate in ancient Egypt got buried. Yeah, so they knew that they could break the event horizon before it forms, thus preventing a wormhole, and it's awesome bit of science, and it's cool mm-hmm. shit. <laughs> and in reaction to the rebellion on Egypt, Ra outlawed writing to try and stop that from happening yep. here. <laughs> and there's that great scene with the head flip. Uh, yeah, outlawed writing. Those ridiculously dramatic shadows over his face, and he turns directly, like, shot. He had to have gotten whiplash from how quickly he turned his at that eyes camera. Is visible, like, yes. the eye of Ra. Uh huh. Like, he's. And he goes, he outlawed writing. Bearing down. <laughs> yeah, um, it's a beautiful scene. While this was happening, we actually went back to the spaceship where uh, the soldiers from the base camp got brought to meet the big bad, but we don't actually get to see him yet. Nope, we see like, them get put down in front of a sarcophagus. That opens up like a like a freaking um, DeLorean, honestly. <laughs> like Gullwing doors. It does. It opens up like a DeLorean, <laughs> and all a, you uh, do is you see one hand with like gold clawed fingertips reach out from the sarcophagus. Yeah, it's a great shot. Well, they do a great like snaky. Oh, claw it's great! Shift it's a great thing. shot. It's, cool. it's it's some cool mm. shit. 
That was a well-directed, well-acted, well-done yeah. scene. Mm-hmm. Except for the fact that it's completely convenient that the unconscious soldier was dragged into that throne room at the exact same time yeah. the sarcophagus was I... being opened. He regains consciousness. Dude, it's convenience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, it's the whole movie. This is the whole movie. <laughs> this movie is a series of coincidences and convenience. So yeah, basically, this is where things actually start to happen. Instead of just, like, scenic shots, things are actually going to go down because they realize they can't get a hold base camp. They gotta go figure out what's going on. Oh, that reminds me, though, uh, when they were doing the translation bit, yeah. he was talking about the boy being taken over, that scene where mm-hmm. he gets possessed. They added the scream. Oh, from yeah. The song, oh, God. I feel good. That scream that he does in the beginning, wow. they used that in the sound effects for the uh, possession scene. Hmm. And that is that so hurts cool. me. <laughs> I like it. I can't figure out if that's better or worse than the, the um, I was about to say Val Kilmer scream. That's not what it is. <laughs> The, uh, um, <laughs> Wilhelm, Wilhelm, the Wilhelm scream. You get to Val Kilmer from Wilhelm what's scream. The Val, what's the Val Kilmer scream? Is it just that, that bite sound from, from, uh, Top Gun? That was just, okay, so from now on we're calling the Wilhelm scream the Val Kilmer scream, because that's my favorite thing ever. I know Stargate uses the Wilhelm scream at least once. Oh, I can believe that. So after the Val Kilmer scream. Okay, so they decide to go back to the base camp to find out what the hell's going on, and someone decides it's a good idea to give the the archaeologist, linguist, anthropologist a handgun. Yeah. And listen, you know he's been to digs. I'm sure he knows how to use a gun, but it's probably a rifle, not a handgun. Uh, especially, he grew up on digs, so he definitely knows how to use a rifle, but I don't think anyone would have given him a handgun. No. He does a decent job with it, though. He doesn't see... Except when he's running. <laughs> you know, he's part running where he's running. Pointing straight out his finger on the fucking uh, trigger. It's so bad. It's so bad. <laughs> it's like, I can't accidentally shoot anybody like this. What are you talking about? This movie doesn't have a... Jack, it's PSA fine that you're running already. in front of me. I won't shoot you. <laughs> they should have had it go off, because that would have followed this PSA they've been doing throughout the movie. <laughs> Killed Jack instantly. It's like shot one That's guy's a short movie. You guys, if you shot somebody in the arm, like, like, oh, shit, sorry, <laughs> safety, got it. And they just take the gun away from him, like, no. Okay, so they go, they go into the pyramid, and uh, it takes no time at all for the rest of the soldiers to get captured. Two and of the them get killed. First death, I, the worst part about it is that when the movie started, we saw that it was like, oh, yep, there's the token black guy. On the, and on and the I team. said, I'm pretty sure he's not the first one to die, though. That's pretty cool. No, it turns out he actually was, in fact, the first one to get yep. shot and killed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, until that point, everyone's been knocked hit out in the face yeah. with them. Which, t- granted, maybe that one of them had like, a, like a neck break. Yeah. It's implied that they're knocked out, not shot, and killed. This guy's full on shot into a wall and dies. Oh, yeah. Guy. It's blatantly he it's like, got killed. Oh, yeah, that wasn't great. Just, good job, Hollywood. <laughs> Way to be, uh. But yeah, uh, Jack and oh, Daniel God. are taking, um, a taken conscious. Yep. Um, like, Jack tells Daniel to put down the gun and The everything. pretty boys are left alive. Yeah. And, and well, alive and, and awake. Yes. Uh, so they're brought to meet Rod <laughs> for some reason. And you finally get to see him, which that scene is awesome. Oh, yeah. He's he's an elegant motherfucker. He's a dramatic motherfucker. He's also a pedophile. <laughs> Scantily clad boys. Oh, no. Which, by the way, mm. I actually did find out they did that on purpose. They wanted, they wanted to create to be a pedophile. Good. Yeah. I, I was uneasy. They uh-huh. did a good job. He, I was very uneasy. Yeah, this this one, uh, this is not me, like, found out for trivia on my own throughout the years. This one I have to, like, you know, credit. 
IMDb has it on there. It says they were specifically crap put there to create unease in the crowd. Good, because I was not happy with that. Yeah, no, that one I looked up because that was just yuck. <laughs> but yeah, um, so he's got a whole bunch of young, scantily clad children uh, surrounding him. Jack, uh, he unveils that um, Jack brought a bomb in with him. <laughs> oh, by the way, kids, I brought yeah. a nuke. <laughs> Jack didn't tell anyone else that he was sitting here on a suicide mission. Everyone else is supposed to go back home. Jack is supposed to stay here and blow up the gate along with himself. But Raw got a hold of it, so now they fucked. I also like how Raw just, which I, I know that scanners are a thing. Like, I totally get that he yeah. scanned this thing. Where, like, I was like, oh, yeah, this, this is a nuke. Yeah, he figured but out that the they, way they knew how to manipulate the atom. The way he describes yeah. it is a little bit. Here's the thing. This actually speaks a bit to this video trivia I, I actually found out. Um, again, IMDb. Apparently, the original screening of this movie, apparently they actually purposely did not subtitle Raw's words. So the plot made no sense. So people hated this movie the first time in the test audience format it was shown. Oh my god. So they purposely then went back and subtitled his lines. Also gave him the iconic eye glow post-production. That's important. They thought he didn't look alien enough. That's fair. And that's... They use it in the show to indicate who's a ghoul. Oh, yeah. So it's great. It's a great It's wonderful. Thing. But they added um, the subtitles post-production to speed along um, exposition, so all of a sudden the movie made sense, and then test audiences were super happy. There you go. Oh, can we say- So that's probably why he describes it like that. It's because it's a, supposed to be a spoon-fed to you moment. Fair enough. Backtracking a little bit, uh, with Ra's unveil, we also got to finally see the faces of his guards. Oh, yes. Those those Anubis and Horus uh, heads? And there's my joke. They peel away. Those are like armor. There are normal human faces underneath. Yep. And so I don't understand the point. I don't understand the They're theme. so cumbersome and stupid yeah. and terrifying. And the CG for them going away uh, is really bad. It's real I know bad. it was probably good for 94, but damn, it was hmm. bad. Yeah. But it just all I could think was just like a terrible moment of, what do you call a white guy, a Latino, and a black guy? What do you call that? Hollywood's um, Hollywood's attempt at diversity. There we go. It's like great, except that the white guy is really doesn't belong in this yeah. situation, and he's the one that survives. And he's the one that survives. It's like God damn yeah, it, Yeah. Uh, so before we go back, I do want to actually because I keep throwing around these names: Anubis and Horus and Ra. So you know, obviously we've got Ra, and he is the sun god. Uh, well, at least Ra is the sun god of Egypt. This guy has taken on Ra's name. Uh, we, well, you get way more into the details of that in the actual TV yeah, show. Some hardcore lore in the there. movie, he is presented more or less as actual Ra. Yeah, like he showed up and humans thought this is a yeah. god, and his name must mm-hmm. be Ra because he was so bright. But yeah, but I thought it, I was really confused when we saw the uh, skeleton remains because I'm like. Why does Ra have Anubis heads and Horus heads with him? And I was looking some stuff up because uh, I used to be obsessed with Egyptian mythology, but it's been a while, so I was like, I gotta check some, check on some of this stuff. Obviously, the, I, I knew the Anubis head. That was that was not that was a given. Uh, and I still don't quite understand why he has a he has only has like it's like one Anubis head. It's mostly Horus heads, which we can allow the Horus head thing to pass because. In later Egyptian myth, Horus and Ra got merged together. So they got lazy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> so so they, Ra can be symbolized with the Horus head. So that's fine. I don't know why he has an Anubis-headed guard. Because um, they hadn't fleshed out the storylines. In, 
in 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 some of the old versions of mythology, Anubis was Ra's son. That really doesn't work with the TV show down the line. <laughs> Not even a little. I just I there, there's n- I don't know why he has an Anubis guard. I don't know. <laughs> Especially because they're because they Anubis shouldn't have existed around this time. Yeah, like it, uh, it. I don't. I don't know. They were going for Egyptian. They didn't care. They how. knew that everyone recognizes an Anubis face. Oh yeah, it's iconic. Hell, that was like Anubis the, is more recognizable than the title than cards of the mummy. Oh yeah, yeah, that's so true. Just but yeah. So that's that's uh, the little um, the little thing there is that technically that Horus face can be a raw face. Uh, Ra's the god, uh, god of the sun. Anubis is the god of death and embalming. I don't know why Anubis is there. Well, it's <laughs> he's there for kicks. Maybe the guy he was showing who, tell day. He was showing his old shit. The guy who made the <laughs> armor <laughs> messed up and had the wrong mold. Yeah, there we go. I don't know. Or you know what? Maybe he just stole a guard. Yeah, maybe he's sure, a traitor. Sure. I don't know. Yeah, it's like that. Uh, what was it? The Italian army during like World War Two, eighty-two men or whatever went out and came back with eighty-three or some shit. Like they brought with them some guy who thought that their army was nice. That was me. I I love that story. I don't think it was Italy though. It was some maybe, small maybe place. I think the soldier they gained was Italian. Yes, yes. The soldier <laughs> they gained it was Lichtenstein. Yeah, I actually remember that. that it was, was a Lichtenstein. small little place. It was Lichtenstein. Is which that was about was only eighty-five yep, there soldiers. You the eighty went out, eighty-one came back, and it was some Italian guy or whatever. <laughs> they gained a soldier. It's amazing. <laughs> It's not surprising it was an Italian so, yeah, culture, though. This guy was uh, Egyptian god, Italian. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, Ra reveals, hey, I know about your bomb. I'm going to send it through. And you know that stuff the gate's made out of? It's going to amplify your bomb by a hundred. Enjoy that. Enjoy knowing what you're sending back through your, your gate. Uh, Jack flips out, tries to attack uh, Ra. Uh, it, well. everything starts to go very poorly. <laughs> Daniel tries to do his pacifist thing, gets in the middle, <laughs> and gets killed. The grand moment, the first, the first Daniel Jackson our first death. Da- our first tally for the death pool. Uh, I'm so excited, guys. It gets so goddamn high. <laughs> I'm so proud of him being the first one. The first one to, to land on that pool. Not the first guy to die. Not even the first white guy to die, thankfully. Yeah. <laughs> like, it'd be really pathetic if they had oh, waited God. between deaths. So the most dramatic being the black guy got killed, mm-hmm. and then the next dramatic thing is the main character. Yeah, uh, so while this is happening, Ross sends a couple more of his little guards in basically alien fighter jets to go raise the grounds of the uh, encampment. You only see wires once <laughs> that I can see. I saw wires in one of the shots. Nah. Um, there's a great moment where you see that Shouty is already concerned about Daniel. Oh, yeah. Well, it's really sweet. It's amazing what respecting a woman can I do know. for her libido and affection. She, uh, she's <laughs> basically like, they're all being attacked, and Shadi's like, hey, where's, where's Daniel to Skata? And Skata's like, Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that was the thing. When um, Jack and Daniel and the rest of the soldiers went back to go find uh, their base camp people, Skata and all of his little friends were like 10 feet behind them the whole time. It was amazing. And his little gang of dudes. It was yeah. so cute. So they saw them get abducted, so he had nothing good to say about say to Shadi about Daniel, and it was really sweet, because yeah. she was actually, like, teared up about it. She was, because he was this guy that she just met who, like, had a respectful, honestly, when Jack finds him and Shadi in the, um, in the Forbidden Place with all the writing, it's really sweet, because they're just off in a corner of the room, just sitting down in the sand, looking at a wall of writing and having a conversation. It's oh, yeah, so man. beautiful. They're... 
like, yeah, she got given to him as a gift. Oh, yeah, no, it's, but it's still glossy. Their over interactions there, but... are beautiful. They're wonderful. Yeah, There's yeah. respect there. But yeah, um, right after that scene is the one where his, uh, Scarlet's father is saying we should not have helped. Oh, yeah. Family, which is great because the guy says that, and then what happens after that with Skara's gang of dudes is they get led into the secret place by Shari, who says, we should do we're something gonna about this. We're gonna rebel. Like, she tells the it's story the that, that Daniel told her mm-hmm. from the writing. Tells them all about mm-hmm. it and says, we're, we're not gonna stand yeah. for this anymore. We're gonna rebel, too. Yep. I just like uh, how it's just like, fuck yes. Yeah. This, I just, I appreciate that they didn't do some stupid shoving of female empowerment storyline crap. They did it really nicely with these two little things. Yeah. She's the one who does the first writing. Mm-hmm. She's brave mm-hmm. to do that. And then she's like, fuck this shit. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's We're gonna wonderful. go do the right thing. So they decide they're all gonna rebel, which is perfect timing because Ra calls a, um, an assembly assembly mm-hmm. uh, to stage an exhibition of his power. Mm-hmm. Because in the meantime, while Shabby's been telling everyone, hey, we're going to be rebels. Ra resurrected Daniel. The first of his many trips to a sarcophagus in this uh, series. Uh, he has a conversation with Ra where uh, Ra gets pissed off at him wearing the necklace and, and grabs it and tells him, hey, you're going to kill your friends for me in front of everyone. Yep. And so they get to the assembly and they just gave Daniel staff. I don't know if there's a deleted scene where they taught him how to use it. Yep. <laughs> But they're expecting him to kill his companions, who last saw him die. So Daniel walks out, and Jack's like, what the heck? But yeah, Daniel's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm gonna, I am know what I'm going to do. And Scott is out in the assembly with a little piece of glass and just shines the light in Daniel's face and be like, hey, you got you got support here. Yeah. So Daniel turns around, whips around with the, sta- the staff and tries to shoot it raw. Hits no one. <laughs> Which, I guess, means they didn't teach him how to use the staff. Yep. But in the ensuing uh, panic of uh, all of the other, you know, villagers pulling out guns that they took from the base camp and just firing them wildly, because no one knows how to use a gun. That's, okay, this is a movie that involves Einstein, Rosen, Bridges as, like, a thing. And that's not the most disbelievable thing to me. It's the kids with the guns. Oh, yeah. Being so later on when he's, like, checking the barrel. Oh, God, he's adjusting the barrel. He's got, like, he's doing, like, legit shit to his gun, maintenance-wise. It's no. <laughs> it's madness. Like, dude, <laughs> the most disbelievable thing about this should be the fucking wormholes. Yeah, you think, you think. Uh, so, yeah, they, they basically, in the ensuing panic, um... Everyone gets out. Well, not everyone. All of the other soldiers except for Kowalski and Ferretti get killed. Yep. But yeah, they get away. There's a sandstorm that hits that actually helps shield their escape a little bit. They probably would have gotten captured if it wasn't for that sandstorm. Uh, they all camp down somewhere out of the sandstorm. I just realized it because like, um, one of the actors in the movie, like, uh, I think he plays a guard. I saw his face. I forgot to write it down. Uh, his name's, uh, I'm probably pronouncing this wrong, like I always do. Mm-hmm. Uh, Digimon Hansu? He played in Guardians of the Galaxy. He was the guy with the sprills on his the sides of his head. Uh, the guy who was like Star Lord. Oh, him yeah, from the trailer. Yeah, him. That guy, Marvel bad guy. He's in this movie. That's awesome. James Spader plays a villain mm-hmm. in an Avengers mm-hmm. movie, mm-hmm. and Kurt Russell is a villain in like the next Guardians of the Galaxy oh movie. Oh my god! 
Wow. I was looking through the IMDb page. I was like, that is Dean Marlowe Hudson. Okay, wait, shit, isn't he in Marvel? That's phenomenal. They're all in Marvel. They all play villains. Well, everyone's in Marvel at this point. I know, I just, I think it's pretty cool. No, it's great. I love it. Uh, but yeah, so they're camped out to avoid the sandstorm. Oh, uh, Daniel has, like, that quiet talk with Jack about, oh, oh, he makes, he, he, uh, he outs Jack on his suicide mission oh, to the rest of his, uh, Super dramatically, too. Like, I, I just love that scene right before that, though, when, like, when Ron's acknowledging it, and, you know, Kurt Russell's just doing his, you know, straightforward face, yep. and he goes, why did you come here? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I know. There's Everett coming through. Uh-huh, <laughs> like, uh-huh. Dude, so dramatic. Jesus Christ. We get it. <laughs> but yeah, he does get a nice little, like, uh, quiet scene with Jack off alone, where he has, like, that whole... Uh, I don't want to die. Your men don't want to die. What are you here for? That am them, or are you here to do the right thing? Yeah. And then after that, that conversation, then he he gets to have another um, private conversation. This time with Shouty. Mm-hmm. And I honestly love this scene so much because uh, he he figured out that Shouty was a gift. He didn't quite follow that all the way to the end where they're married now. And that's actually pretty fucking common in those kinds of. Yeah. In ancient cultures. Yeah. He didn't quite follow like, There wasn't always a ceremony. Way. There was mm-hmm. no, like, marriage ceremony. It was... A lot of cultures did that. A father literally gave oh, his yeah. daughter mm-hmm. as a present, and she became... I think, um, Sacagawea, I think she was described as the French traders, like, she'd been given to him oh, as yeah, a slave. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he just called her his wife one day. Like, that's... Like, that kind of yeah. shit. This is mm-hmm. un- not an unheard of thing. So it's a little annoying to me that he did see this. Yeah. Well, to be fair, he'd never been given a wife before. <laughs> True. That he knows of. There is, he might have wives in uh, other countries that he doesn't know about. If he's just oblivious, I just imagine if he was like, oh my god. Listen, that's Daniel Jackson is a very oblivious man. There is a uh, good chance he's got wives in other countries that he is not aware of. Shit, goes to like, you know, having a guinea or something. Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I wouldn't. I would not put it past him. I don't, I don't know if there's any uncontacted tribes in Papua New Guinea. I, I know it's Brazil. There's a there better. There's a better. I know there's some uncontacted ones there. But yeah, so uh, he finds out that they're married. There's Shadi. Like he goes off quietly to talk with her privately, which is so nice. Just the respect that he's just like. And I, what I love about the framing of his conversation with her when he finds out that they're technically married is that she went off kind of like embarrassed or ashamed. Yeah. And he goes off and follows her and, you know, gets, you know, in privacy so no one else can hear them talking. And she's, like, crouched down on the ground. And he crouches down on the ground next to her. He gets on her level. He doesn't, like, stand over her or – he goes right down to her level and just, like, intimately, quietly talks to her as a person about the whole thing. Like, finds out, oh, you know, that you were given to me as a wife. That she thinks that he did not want her, that he was displeased, and basically he's like, "No, look, I, it's not like that." And basically, basically they do the whole thing where you know they they kiss at the end. Yeah, it's it's a two hour movie. A lot of stuff happens. Shit gets they lost over. That's yeah. always lost over. Mm-hmm, I'm not mm-hmm. even that upset about it because dear God, it's everywhere. Yeah, and she's very pretty, and he's very pretty. So you know what? More power to <laughs> you them. Know, he could have been total consent. It's fine. You know, he didn't have I mean, to he stop does, and ask for it. Whatever. He did. He does at least like he puts his hand on her face. <laughs> no, no, touching her. I know, I know. He puts his hand on her face and waits. 
Yeah, okay. I just, I just, I just have to take a moment to say no, that it's I disgusting know. that we're okay with it, that he waits after touching her without consent. <laughs> I'm not saying it should have happened. I'm saying for 94, yeah, know, the fact I that know. Daniel does this is good. Uh, yuck. Yeah, I just, yuck. That's just, that's, it's, it's yucky. It's 94. I just, the fact that we even have to say that, just yuck. Listen, today. I know. Today. People still try to romanticize the, yeah, I asked her out and she said no, but I kept asking. That's still a romanticized plot line. All right, speaking of things I'm not going to touch. Yeah, yeah, That yeah. is one such. Let's, moving on. <laughs> All right. So they basically have their, yeah, they're, they're going to hook up now. And then he has, and then he goes, Daniel's just having a lot of quiet moments with individual people in this scene. Because then he goes off to hang out with Scotta for a little bit. Yeah. And uh, Scotta's, like, drawing on the wall. Mm-hmm. And he figures out the point of origin, because he figures out that, hey, the point of origin for Earth was a pyramid shape with a single circle above it, which, you know what, thinking about that, I feel like those were supposed to be suns. Yeah. In the yeah. three suns. Yeah. They didn't look like suns, they looked like moons. But and whatever. Usually when you draw a circle, it's sun-like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, because obviously for our point of origin, orb it's the of... it's the pyramid with a single sun above yeah, it. Yeah, the orb of light kind of thing. Whereas the point of origin for, they don't give it a name in this, but it's Abydos. Yes. Um, yeah, the it's point of origin Abydos for later. Abydos is a pyramid with three circles mm-hmm. because there are three suns and moons. I don't, I don't know what they look like. Moons, whatever. They're supposed to be the moons, I'm guessing, because when you look at the pyramid, there's three moons that apparently are geosynchronously locked. If I you don't, think about it, yeah, they're, they're consistently enough to be a part of the symbol. They have yeah, to be there that's constantly. Freaking weird. I don't. <laughs> It's fine. It's fine. Sure. Okay. So yeah, he figures out the point of origin. He fig- he can get them home. If they can deal with Ra, he can get everyone home. <laughs> they just have the fact that Ra has a nuke now. That's the problem. So they go back to the encampment where Kasuf is not happy to see them. Nope. He's just gone straight into fear and outrage mode. Yeah. Well, to be fair, he's the leader of the people. Yeah, and he he's has trying to think, to, he's best best to think about everyone. Yeah. That terrifying. <laughs> Daniel gets a, a moment to be really dramatic. <laughs> Where one of, um, many. <laughs> one of the one of the guys who tried one of the guards who came to attack them uh, got like killed and knocked down. Um, and Daniel has this really nice dramatic moment where he goes, "Take a look at your gods," mm-hmm. and leans down and presses a button that he knew was on the helmet. I guess yeah, because you see, he does. You do hear the button clicking yeah. moment when they're doing the introduction bit. So he and then the helmet like that. reclines and it shows. Oh, it's just a normal looking person like us. Yep. Q time immediately. for immediately. That guy is not right. immediately. He, he takes one look and he's like, "Oh shit! Oh shit! I guess they're not gods." It's like, dude, even the regular Jafad took some time. Yeah, but they were also conditioned um, to believe, conditioned. and I know. But the humans definitely weren't yeah, yeah. disinclined. To well, to be fair, like I was gonna say, he takes some time to come around to actually joining the rebellion. Shh, fine, fine, but he does immediately, yeah, immediately doubt his gods. Mm-hmm. It's like that's. That's some instantaneous loss of faith there, alright. I can get behind that. <laughs> well, yeah, we we are not exactly the best examples, though. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. We, we are many things. Devout is not one. Alright, so uh, they're like, okay, we have to we have to get the bomb back. We can all get home if we get the bomb back. So they have to do um, an attack on the pyramid, basically. Yep. And they do that by disguising themselves as a delivery of the... Uh, explosive materials mm-hmm. that Ra wants to send through to amplify Which, the bomb. Can we just stop? Can we, can we just stop calling that? Is all these it's Nakwada. Nakwada. It's called Nakwada in the show. 
it becomes canon, it's canon. Just we're or gonna call Nequadria. it Nequadria. Nequadria, yes, huh, if it's the yeah. extra refined. Yeah, yeah, yep. But my whole thing is that I'm getting annoyed. They don't even mineral. call it mineral; they call it material. He calls it uh, the, the black guy who dies. I can't remember yeah. his name. He says material, and the subtitles raw does say mineral. Okay, well, mineral raw knows what they're dealing with. Yeah, and the uh, overly spoon-fed story <laughs> subtitles <laughs> that are there just for the sake of story. Mm-hmm. He does say mineral. Uh, so <laughs> Jack gets his one brief shot. This one scene that, that of them invading the pyramid is I'm convinced the one scene that Richard D. Anderson looked at in the movie and went, yeah, I'll oh, do yeah, that. Because it's kind of the only part of that's, Jack that exists we'll in the say TV show. that's the core bit of him that's coming through the And grief. it's the part where the guards know something's up and start pulling down hoods. And, like, the first two they pull down, it's just regular villagers. And then they pull in another one, and it's Jack, who winks. pulls out his gun, goes, how you doing, and winks, and then shoots the guy in the chest. Otherwise known as Kurt Russell doing Kurt Russell. Yeah. But that is a Jack O'Neill moment right there. Oh, hell Jack yeah. O'Neill with two L's. That is the one moment in this movie where you see Jack O'Neill with two L's. But yeah, then stuff go. goes crazy, firefight ensues. For some reason, Death half Callie of the soldiers rockets. were outside. They try to get in, it closes before they can get out. So now there's two battles going. There's the battle inside the pyramid and the battle outside the pyramid with all of the big numbers of um, encampment people and uh, Kowalski and Freddy mm-hmm. and uh, the fighter pilot um, Jaffa again. Which we can't call them Jaffa. They're not called that, of course, in the movie. None of the terms they, they don't even have, they have terms yet. And they don't have the head uh, And some of yet. them are showing... Are showing their bellies and yeah. their toe oh, slit. Did you know the reason why um, Jay Davidson, you know, the guy who played Rob? Yeah. This was like his last movie, apparently, or something like that. He apparently had nipple rings. And that's why he had his nipples covered in a lot of scenes. He <laughs> refused to take them out. Oh, uh, good for him. Good for him. Yeah. That one, I think. I think I heard about that one somewhere. I think it was like a convention video. I was Amazing. Watching, where someone noted that. It was just, it was weird. But yeah, he did watch a guy with nipple piercings. I don't know if they were rings specifically, they're just nipple piercings. And so, because he made that comment, and I was like, wow, look at that chest plate he's wearing. That's why he's wearing that thing. They had to dress him around his nipples. Which is just a weird sentence. (laughs) That is great. Yeah, like, I I knew two things, two weird things about him. His nipple rings and the fact that he demanded a a million dollars to be in this movie. Oh, damn. They wanted him for it. And he thought that he He was good. He didn't really want to do it. And he was like. Only if you pay me a million dollars. And, and they like, did okay. it. Okay. He's oh like, well, my God. shit, I guess I'm playing Ron now. <laughs> they got two actors with money. Him and James Strader, because yep. he didn't want to take the role originally, because he just thought the, he thought the script was awful. He thought it was shit. <laughs> and he's like, screw it, I, I need money. Well, I mean, James Spader did movies like Secretary. James yeah. Spader doesn't do roles. Well, this was definitely, you know, since 94, this was towards the beginning of his career. Yeah. So, he wasn't established enough yet to be able to turn down jobs. Yeah, yeah no, not yet. But yeah, so uh, inside inside the uh, pyramid, stuff goes down, and basically Shadi ends up getting killed. Of course she does. Yeah, defending Daniel, of course. It's it's a dramatic point. Yeah, yeah. It's meant to hurt him. Uh, but then because of this, fridged her. One of my favorite mom, one of my two favorite moments in this entire movie happens, where Daniel decides, no, I'm not gonna let her die. I'm not gonna let her, let her stay dead. So they unfridge her at least. So he picks her up. Oh, because he realizes because the the uh, teleporter rings are starting to come down. Yeah, they see him coming down. They know that he can get up to the the uh, spaceship where the sarcophagus is that he knows will resurrect. So he's like, "Okay, I'm going to take her up there." Jack has already set the uh, timer for the bomb. 
because that they were bringing the materials for the bomb right. anyway, so the bomb was already down by the gate. Right. Which and before Shari like died, poor it wasn't planning that. on right. Ra's part, right. but whatever. And there wasn't any need to do any ship hopping. It couldn't <laughs> up until that moment because Shari wasn't dead yet. Yeah. So the bombs, Jack's already got the the bomb timer going, um, but Daniel's like, I'm gonna bring her back first. So he picks her up, gets into the ring, and then does really the most mission, which I love. unnecessarily dramatic <laughs> line reading of this entire movie, <laughs> where as the rings are coming down past his face, he looks Jack dead in the eye and goes, wait for me. <laughs> it is special. And listen, that moment is in the trailer for this movie. <laughs> and it is? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, I promise you it is. Because I watched the trailer and I bust up laughing. It was that it was that kind of laughter where you're not wait you're not expecting it to come out and then it just explodes out and you're like, Oh god. What's that kill bill? When uh Oren says her, You lie in Japanese. Lucy Lu's Chinese and apparently she said that so terribly. She apparently her Japanese is so bad in that that Japanese goers would watch this scene and just laugh their asses. That's off. amazing. This is supposed to be a dramatic scene. So it's like I love it when things are delivered. Because, like, you know, a director told you to deliver it some way or whatever. And it's just like, that just kills the scene. Oh, yeah. It's so good. I love it. It's so dramatic. It's just so ridiculous. Yeah, he just goes, wait for me. And then he disappears through the transporter. Just in time for Jafar to come down and bean Jack in the face. (laughs) Oh, shit. It's great. So basically, Jack's having a knockdown dragout fight with this Jafar. Yep. While Daniel's taking Shadi off to go resurrect her. With the unnecessary time constraint of seven minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, he doesn't know how quick the sarcophagus is gonna work. I just work. think the time constraint thing was stupid. It I was. I hate that forced suspense, but what kills me is that, how did they come to the number seven? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Maybe, Why seven you know, I wasn't, paying, like enough clo- I wasn't paying, I wasn't paying close enough attention. It might have been real time. It might have actually taken oh. seven minutes for all that stuff to happen. Maybe. So maybe they filmed all of it and then decided, <laughs> it's going to be seven minutes. So uh, he puts her in the sarcophagus. Uh, Jack's fighting a Jafar on his own and not doing a good job. The firefight's going on outside. People are dying left and right. Uh, and then my number one favorite scene <laughs> happens. And I'm sorry, there's literally no way I can do this credit. You just, you have to see this scene yourself. Because this is not one of those, like, dramatic line readings where I can do it. It's a visual. It's, but it's amazing. So basically, Shada gets, comes out of the sarcophagus alive again. And he's like, okay, I have to hurry back to the transporter and get back down there. Because we're on a timer. Daniel's not a physically, you know, buff guy. So, like, the way, this is part of what makes it funny, is because he's carrying, like, a full person. So, you know when you're carrying something a little too heavy, and your back goes, dead weight. Yeah, <laughs> and your back goes a little too straight? Oh, uh, yeah. That, that's part of what makes this so funny, is because that's how he's walking. <laughs> so, basically, he's carrying Shouty, his back's a little trot. too straight, and he's walking very fast. <laughs> it's a trot. It's he's, a carry yeah, trot. Yeah, it is. It's a trot. And he's, like, trotting back to the transporter with Shouty in his arms. <laughs> Like I walking straight past where Ra is standing. And not even looking. This no. guy doesn't give a shit. <laughs> he, he's just like, I belong here. He's just going to do do What you visitor pass? Yeah, it's fine. I have a visitor pass from last time I was up here. It's fine. It's fine. Your guard checked me in. He got stamped when he entered the club. He's like, no, I was here last night. You see, I've got a stamp on my hand. No, you got to put the UV light on it. Yeah, just just walks yeah. through this place and he owns it. And it's so, what makes it even better, it's like, his, his posture is so good. The fact that he does not look left or right, he doesn't care who sees him. 
But what makes it better is the fact that as it shows him walk by, and then it shows Ra, and you see Ra give the most disbelieving look as he turns to follow Daniel Wong. It's like, because he's dealing with, like, what's happening out there, you know, dealing with the firefight outside. And then Daniel trots by, and his head just turns to look like, are you serious right now? <laughs> it's my favorite scene in the entire movie. The alien I, having the, you see the shit look. <laughs> it's pretty it's good. so good. I can't handle that scene. And it's just, you have to see it, because I'm trying my best to describe it, and I cannot. Doesn't do it justice. It's no. just, it's a great scene. <laughs> so, that happens. Yeah, uh, he, uh, he starts to be like, okay, let's go back down. Ross saw him. Ross like, no, you're not leaving. <laughs> and here's another one where I don't think we're gonna actually tally it, but this is also something that happens to Daniel a lot. He gets the, do you remember what the thing is called? The hand weapon. No, I was trying to think of it earlier, and I couldn't, and I should have looked it up, but... We'll, we'll, we'll make a note of it when it actually shows up in the TV Yeah, because it has an actual name But, in the uh, TV Daniel show. gets exposed to that weapon a lot, too. <laughs> and this is the first of those. And he gets exposed to that for a while. It's yeah. like a solid 30 uh-huh. seconds. Yeah. Uh, so, Ra's basically like, you're not going anywhere. And while he's having, like, the face-off with Ra, Jack finally gets the upper hand with the Jaffa down below, and slams the the jewel that brings the transporter ring down on the ground to call it back, which has the great timing of severing this freaking guy at the neck. Yeah. Like, the transporter ring comes down on his neck. Like, upper torso. I think, like, his shoulder gets no, no, in there when it, when it No, because when it... Oh, when, and it only he, shows the, the, the head. Yeah, he only comes up with... But the, the ribs It looks down, like it's here, yeah. but some, somehow the head's the only thing that comes up. Which I they know. do a great job of showing, like, the uh, spinal cord and the... Oh, yeah, I loved it. No, it was great. Disgusting. I also love the fact that the transport apparently, like, um... Cauterized. Cauterized. Like, cauterized, because there was no blood. Yeah, none. It was, uh, creepily yeah. bloodless. Mm-hmm. So, the timing was good. Be- again, coincidences. Yes. So, he gets rid of that guy by severing his head from his body. And it also is bringing down the transporter rings just in time that it startles Raw enough that he stops, like, destroying the nerves in, in Daniel's central nervous system long enough for Daniel to get away from the attack, grab his necklace back. Remarkably undamaged looking from this solid 20-something seconds yeah. of damage. And roll him and Shadi under the transport so they get yep. trained. And now they're back down with yep. Jack. And Jack waited for them. Yeah. <laughs> he, he waited. It wasn't that he was getting his ass yeah, handed yeah, to him or anything. He waited. Yeah. So at that moment, like, outside, they're having, it looks like the the soldiers and their little tiny rebellion force are about to be completely overwhelmed by the Jaffa. Yeah, Just in time. For Kasif to show up with the rest of the encampment. Because yep. he has come yep. around. He's like, yeah, oh. we're gonna rebel. After a trademark El- Emmerich moment where just unnecessary drama. Oh, uh, the, the freaking, oh god. who gets cut off and as he's running down the steps, which this movie uses. Has a lot of slow-mo. Has a random and arbitrary use of slow-mo. Mm-hmm. And this is one such time that's just like, okay, we get it. This is not, you know, saving private Ryan. Yeah. We don't need to focus on this so much, but... He's running, no, and Skara is, of course, going, no, my friend. <laughs> Trying to, like, reach out and bring him. Of course, you know, he gets shot. You don't see him, like, you know, get, uh, his body get obliterated. But you see but, the, like, the borrowed helmet dust that he, and the, the, the borrowed helmet that he's been wearing, wearing yeah, bouncing down the steps. in slow motion Just down the like, steps. like, okay, 
we get it. Black Hawk down, Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Move on. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, the rebellion outside is a success, but Ra removed something in the bomb to do uh, like a, a failsafe. <laughs> Somehow fail-safe. he knows Earth technology know. so well that he can figure out that he, the, the first deactivation switch and the backup of taking out the actual generator of the, of the time, yeah. the, the control chip, the actual control chip for this thing. He rigs it, quote, the, the, the movie just says, he, they must have rigged it. Mm. Somehow he knows Earth technology enough to do that. That nothing turns off that timer. He's a god, what can I tell you? Uh, Jesus Christ, yeah, he, uh, he could have had uh, a career at MIT. There we go. But yeah, so basically, they can't, what that, what that boiled down to is, they can't turn off the bomb. Convenience. Yeah. <laughs> What's great is this is another one of those moments where it shows up again later on the TV show. Jack and Daniel have their first moment <laughs> of complete mind meld. Yes. Where they turn and look at each other at the same time, look at the bomb, and they don't they don't communicate anything. They look to the rings. Yeah, they, yeah, they, they look at each other, look at the bomb, look at the rings, don't say anything. The next thing you see is Ra, who... By the way, we forgot to mention. Oh, no, they do say one thing. They look at each other and go, I have an idea at the same time. Oh, they do. They do say, I have an idea at the same time, but they don't say what that idea is. No. But then you cut up to the spaceship where Ra, who, they don't actually show it, but it's clear that, like, his part hand of his got, hand hurt got cut yeah. by the um, transporter ring earlier. Because yeah, he tried to grab during, yeah, Daniel. Yeah, during his attack on Daniel, the rings happened, so his hand is, he's holding his hand. It looks. You just don't really know what the hell yeah. happened to it. I, I always assume part of his hand got cut off. I guess, but it's weird that they show, they're fine showing a headless. Yeah, I don't know. A bodiless head, but not a couple of fucked up fingers or whatever. Like, I don't just, know. It's weird where they draw the line. Maybe Jay Davidson wouldn't sit there for makeup. Cuts back to him, upset and harboring his hand to his chest, like, ugh. And then suddenly the transport rings enact again, and he looks at them, gets confused, and then when they pop up to show what transported, it's the bomb with, like, two seconds left on it. And Ra has just enough time to have the realization dawn on his face, and then he's vaporized. Yeah, I like how they show, I guess it's slow motion, because I'm pretty sure nuclear blasts are pretty, like, you know, instant. Instant, yeah. But they show his alien body getting slowly desiccated and blown away by this explosion. That's true, they do. And they show the whole deconstruction of it, and it's like, are nukes really that slow? <laughs> I don't know, man, I just, that seems... It's all that Nakhoda. <laughs> How's that delayed? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. But yeah, uh, shit happens and somehow we see it. But it's, it's a cool scene. It's just, you know, gratuitous use of effects, which Emmerich. Yeah, yeah, that's Emmerich for you. So at least it was, again, more towards, like, the real effects. Like, there was, like, almost like a clay yeah. mask-made thing blowing up. It wasn't CGI shit. Like, they do a lot of CGI uh, juxtapositions, like, like shots, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, unfortunate hood helmet things oh, aside. Yeah. CGI, for the most part, was pretty limited, and I like that, because for that kind of reason, like, yeah, it makes no sense being able to see the alien head deconstruct. No. But it's cool seeing it deconstruct and not a computer screen that has no place in this yeah, movie yeah, at this yeah. point. You know, it's not necessary. So, it's good. So, yeah, so basically, hooray, yeah. Heroes 1. They're, oh, they're all... G.I. Joe. Oh, sorry. Stargate. Yeah. Wrong, wrong one. So, they're all ready to go home. Uh, Jack, Kowalski, and Freddy, the only people to survive. Because Daniel has decided he's not going back, which, fair to Daniel, he has nothing to go back to anyway, so, and he likes Shouty, so why not stay? So he decides he's gonna stay. They don't explain it in the movie, I don't think. Or do they? 
I'm, I'm very tired at this point, so I don't know. Did I miss? Did they say they were going to say he died? No, they don't specify okay, that. They, that's in the pilot. I think basically, it's heavily implied that the only thing that would make sense as to why he's not coming back is yeah, because he's basically dead. Yeah, they, basically, they, they're going to fake his death and say, oh, he died, and we put the, the gate is... behind us. But yeah, so he's going to stay behind. Daniel... awesomely with that, though. Yeah. Oh, it's great, because Daniel gives Jack the necklace that Catherine gave him. Yep. And uh, he manages to steal back. And says to, you know, thank, tell her thanks that this really helped, or this was this good he, luck. Brought me luck. Brought me luck. Brought me luck. And then what's great is it's just Jack taking it, looking at him, goes, I'll be seeing you, and then stepping through the gate, and the movie closes on the wormhole effect. Which is excellent. And then it says, the end, which is like, well, we got that, thank you, but mm-hmm. I loved it. It was, it was good, you know, yeah. But that's definitely like one of my favorite pros of the movie, is like, uses, the end. It's a good he's end. not gratuitous drawing it. He, he does a lot of stuff to an absurd amount, uh-huh. but he does not drag out the ending to this movie, because no. this movie, it's not the kind of movie where you want to do that. It wouldn't make any sense. It'd be stupid. No, it would be I, overly sentimental. It'd be dumb. I think it was ended at the perfect spot. Yeah. But yeah, so that was the movie. We had a couple more things to go through. Uh, so, basically, uh, Devil's Advocate Corner, we actually yeah, kind of already covered yeah. that. Yeah, we did it that. It was right? me complaining. Yeah, for once. <laughs> for once. So yeah, if anyone wants to explain to me how they got a reading through the one-way wormhole, mm-hmm. I'd love to find out. Someone give me that answer, because I don't have one. We have one death tally. Yeah. In the form of Daniel. Technically shouty also, but uh, she's not one of the main cast, and I think that's the only time she dies and comes back. Yeah, that's, I mean, the point of this death tally is to count how many times we'll get resurrected. It's not about any of the other stuff. So, yes. I did look up more trivia before we get too far away from that. It says here, that the uh, yaks actually weren't people in concert. The space yaks. Oh. They were actually horses. They you put some poor horses. There was a part, no, there was a part where it was running where I'm like, that looked like a horse running. There you go. So, okay, that's fair. Yeah, apparently they also used dogs, that, I'm guessing, for far out shots. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, that's saw no, IMDb. There was a part where it was running where I'm like, that looks like a horse. And then there was another part where I'm like, that is clearly not a horse. So I think I saw both shots. <laughs> that's why I decided it had to be a person. I'm like, it's, I don't know. It's oh, yeah. something. Oh, and I think we finally have an answer, on, well, potentially, on uh, what Catherine's supposed to be. Uh-huh. Because in the first scene where Prof- Professor Langford, Catherine's father, mm-hmm. is seen, he says something, um, he exclaims, uh, good, uh, her- uh oh, that was terrible pronunciation. There you go. Uh, it means, by God, what is that, in Norwegian, which is the guy's native language. Oh, there we go. So he's... Okay, uh, you know what, I'll accept that. Yeah, so. But she's definitely immigrated to yeah. Britain. Yeah, but he's that Norwegian. Is like a- that that is clearly like a British expedition yeah. that they're a part of. There's, there's that. Yeah. So uh, Devil's Advocate Corner is me. Please help. <laughs> um. So we have to we have to give it a ranking. We have to say whether it was good, bad, or eh. I I for me I have that I have a special little extra thing that I have to do my rating where I call it the nostalgia factor. Even without that, I think this movie's pretty good. No, I think this is a really solid movie, uh, especially for a sci-fi movie. Oh, that, that like it's a genuine it's a like good action sci-fi oh, movie. Yeah. Too extra. I actually really appreciate the fact that it's a sci-fi movie, but it's not shot like a sci-fi movie. <laughs> no, it's Roland Emmerich. There's that's why that's how he shot Independence Day. It's yeah, got a good quality to it. Yeah, it's well, like there, it's just Day. the fact that like it's a sci-fi movie set in like an ancient Egyptian setting, and I love that. I love the fact and that, the fact that they at least kind of tried to be authentic. <laughs> yeah, no, it's I I honestly I genuinely love this movie. 
Like, there are parts of it that I can't come up with answers for, because there's, I just, like, and I'm very good at coming up with answers for plot holes, but that, that wormhole one, I can't, I can't do it. But I, I don't care. That's the thing. And I think it's also pointed the fact that my two favorite scenes are, like, laughable moments. But that doesn't take away from the movie at all. Like, we make fun of, we made fun of this movie the entire, for like two straight hours. That doesn't take away our love for it. Oh, no. Like, we've been fond the entire time. I'm a little scared that some later episodes are gonna happen where we're gonna talk it through and we're like, what, rewatch it, talk it through, and I'm gonna be like, yeah, my love for this episode's gone now. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's gonna happen. Oh, I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. But this one, no. I, I've watched it, I've, I've watched it a million times. It doesn't get any worse. It doesn't, I mean, it, I, I don't think it gets better, but I've, I've enjoyed it from the beginning. So, like, it's just a good, solid sci-fi movie. And there's a reason that it spanned such a long-running TV show. And it's because uh-huh. there's a lot there. There's a lot of good there. There's a lot of growth um, oh, that God. we're going to see to come. Yeah, th- this is a star- stepping stone all the way through to Stargate Universe, which a lot of people didn't like. They thought it was too, you know, gritty, whatever, whatever, because it wasn't, you know, back to the original feel of the show and the movie. That's not necessarily a bad thing. That, that speaks to growth. Because yeah. by the time they got to the feel of Star Trek Universe, they had gone through several emotional hurdles mm-hmm. in terms of storyline. And through Atlantis, a lot happened. A lot changed. And that's this movie Is isn't beginning. just a silly movie. Because it did something somehow. It did the right combination that piqued everybody's interest. Mm-hmm. And that's really awesome. Yeah. I think it's pretty cool. So I would say I think that's a thumbs up from both of us. Oh, yeah, man. Two thumbs up. All right. So next week, we're going to do uh, episode one, the pilot, Children of the Gods, Yay. part one. <laughs> Otherwise we're known as the full bush episode. We're going to get into the TV show. Um, the, the, the pilots are pretty long, so they're probably also going to be kind of longer episodes. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so the first couple episodes are going to be longer, because there are longer source materials that we're going to oh, have to deal with. Going from a movie to a two-hour yeah, episode. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the pilot. We're going to meet all of our new main crew. Uh, we're going to see Michael Shanks do a great job of making James Spader's act his own. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's not as much saying to take over for, uh, uh, for O'Neill, Kurt because Russell. he was such a block of a character. Yeah. Richard Dean Anderson did great things with the character. Oh, yeah, yeah. But he more that, but or he less didn't have as much taking of the reins yeah. to do. Like, it wasn't like a handing off as much. That's like, you know, Despair's Kurt Russell. I've been kind of coming down on him this <laughs> whole time. He's not a bad actor. Well, He's he just was not given a terrific. one-note character to make. You can't, yeah. you can't do a terrific performance when you're hindered by the fact that no one gave a shit about his yeah. characterization. Yeah, so uh, that's what we'll be covering next week. Until then... If you want to get a hold of us, you can find me on Twitter on it's Mel not Liss, or Liss at it's Liss not Mel. You can also email us at pointoforigincast at gmail.com, or write something on the side of a tissue box and toss it through the nearest wormhole. Your choice. Uh, you can find links to things we talked about um, during the show in the show notes. And if you'd like the show, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Thank you for joining us on today's Incursion Through the Iris, and until next time.